All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 140 in full swing, full motion. Whether you're live streaming, YouTubing, or podcasting, we want to thank you for your time and being here with us this weekend as we unpack and unravel a lot of things in the world of sports. And boy, do I say we have a lot going on, so I just want to get right to it. I don't want to waste any of your time because you would think that in a a time where the Chiefs are struggling as badly as they are, that we wouldn't want to talk about it. I've seen a lot of shows, and I don't mean to call anybody else out, but I've seen some other shows out there that have decided to kind of take a break, and I get it. I understand it. It's very frustrating right now to see the way things have gone when we had the expectations that we had coming into this season. But we're just uh, some weird motherfuckers, I think, around here where we just can't get enough of doing this uh regardless of how things are going on the outside we like to keep things consistent here on the inside and um i'm gonna give you guys a little disclosure here as to what building this 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 show up this week was like for me and 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 i I think you guys know by now a rule of thumb that we always have here when it comes to how we go about building content and creating content and delivering content at the spoken podcast is we give you the truth, we give you authenticity, and we give you honesty on a consistent basis. We don't try to do hot takes. We don't try to give you guys something that isn't genuinely from us as humans, as individuals, and as fans. It's genuinely what we believe. Uh, we joke around. We have fun. But honestly, to our core, what we're telling you on this show and what we're telling you on social media and on our social media platforms is exactly what we feel and believe. And I can speak for Trevor and Eddie about that because I, or for that because I know that's how we operate here, and that's something we've been very consistent with. And if you guys have been following along to anything that we have been posting, uh, anything that we have been talking about throughout the duration of the season to this point, because it has been frustrating to this throughout the duration of this season, the Chiefs have yet to win. It can go on any winning winning streak whatsoever so far this season. We're, we're brutally honest, and it's not fun. Trust me when I say I love to be Homer Lance. I love to be the one that sits here and breaks down the statistics of things that are going great for the Chiefs and how this player is on pace to do this historic feat and this is what the Chiefs are on pace to do and they're the Super Bowl favorites. Those are fun things to talk about. So it's not fun to sit here and talk about reality when it hits you right in the balls, when it's something that's not fun to talk about. It's not fun to talk about things that are not fun. And going into the preparation of this week and how I was going to talk about this show, I didn't really want to spend any time or any energy really breaking down what we saw in that shit fest known as the game against the Titans last Sunday. That was by far the worst and most frustrating game outside of maybe the last year's Super Bowl that I have seen in the Mahomes era. And full disclosure here too as well, I... Back in the Alex Smith era, and I try not to compare the two eras because they're so significantly different in how they've gone to this point, but there were lulls in the Alex Smith era, and we tend to to expect that at times because how conservative Alex Smith was and how frustrating this team was at times where they consistently underachieved, especially in playoff games. But those times are frustrating. This is a whole different level, different dynamic 
in the Mahomes era because now the standard went from being a good playoff team that gets to maybe the second round if lucky to now a team that's supposed to be contending for Super Bowls on, a, on an annual basis. And that's why I've not been one that has been crushing fans out there, ourselves included, present company included, for criticizing this team because of what the expectation and what the standard now is. It's different than what it was back then. And I wanted to start this show off, and like I said, we got a lot to get to. We have our guy Shaggy Shane Williams joining us in a little bit that I cannot wait to get his thoughts and opinions on all things Chiefs. And trust me when I say he's just as, just as much, if not more, opinionated than we here are at the Spoken Podcast. But I, I, I wanted to break down because every, when, when losing starts to happen or when winning begins, we like to praise certain individuals for it. Well, when losing begins and losing continues, blaming begins. And so that's valid. I think that's something that needs to happen. I think that's something fan bases need to do is be able to place the blame and hold others accountable for what they have or haven't done correctly. And so I want to start right here. And this might shock a few people. I'm going to start by criticizing Patrick Mahomes. Because I've been one of the people out here that doesn't do that very often. And I think rightfully so because of the fact that to this point of his career, he has been the most marvelous, un un unprecedented quarterback we have ever seen in NFL history. I think he's the most talented quarterback. He's the best quarterback I've ever seen play football. But there are some serious flaws that we are seeing in Patrick Mahomes' game this season. One, we've all talked about it on the show over the last few episodes. He's pressing. He's trying to force the ball in areas he doesn't need to. He's not taking what the defenses are, defenses are giving him, and it is showing. Despite the fact that the offenses up to last week against the Titans were putting up historic numbers of points per possession, yards per play, they, they've been doing a lot of positive things. But as many positive things have come from the offense, we've seen just as many negatives. Turnovers, that's the obvious. We've seen the frustrating turnovers. At a level and at a clip, we've never seen from Patrick Mahomes in an offense led by Patrick Mahomes to this point. So what I'm seeing from Patrick Mahomes, although he's still putting up insane numbers positively and is still probably will get up to 46, 4,700 yards and close to 45 to 50 touchdowns still, still on pace for numbers around that, there have been instances and times where he has really hurt this team and really hurt their chances of winning games. And I expect better. And the reason why, again, I haven't criticized him much to this point is because, quite frankly, I don't expect this to last. Because I've seen a larger sample size and body of work from Patrick Mahomes that indicates he's going to be great far often and far more often than when he's bad. So I'm going to go ahead and just get that out there now. And I'm going to go ahead and embrace the fact that Patrick Mahomes could be playing better football. I'll just leave it right there. And then I'm going to start with the defense and Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, the second part of this. And this, I am literally ranking this right now. And I'm going to keep it very general so I can get Trevor Nettie's thoughts on this as well. Steve Spagnuolo came into, the, came into Kansas City in 2019, and I'll be honest with you guys. When I first heard the news, I was very nervous. Not just because of the fact that Steve Spagnuolo had been out of the game, but the last couple of times we had seen Steve Spagnuolo in the league, his team struggled. And not just when he was a defensive coordinator, but also as a head coach with the St. Louis Rams. And we saw how his defenses throughout his entire career would fluctuate. There would be seasons of elite football, and the very next season they'd be one of the worst. In fact, the two worst defenses in NFL history when it comes to yards allowed per play were ran by Steve Spagnuolo. That's a real concern. That's a real problem. 
He came in here in 2019 and changed a lot of things. Now, granted, he did walk into a situation that was a lot better than some defensive coordinators inherit, where he got Tyron Matthew, and he got a motivated Frank Clark, and he got Chris Jones, and he got a lot of players on this defense that were really good aids and helps to him getting what he wanted out of this defense. Now, we skip along because I don't want to undermine or under downplay what he did. He helped this team win their first Super Bowl in five decades. Not going to ignore that, but this is a what have you done for me lately or league. This is a sport where we continue to follow where this team is headed and where the league is headed. We don't sit here, at least not us here, where we just rest on the laurels of what they have done. This team was expected to win multiple championships and create the next dynasty in the NFL. So we can't just sit here and talk about 2019 as if that was it. That's all that we needed. No, we're still here expecting this team to win, and Steve Spagnuolo is supposed to be somebody that helps push them in that right direction. And this season has been the opposite of that. And I said beginning of this season that Steve Spagnuolo finally has his defense in place. This is year three. And if anybody follows the NFL at any level, you know that year three is usually what a what a coach, a head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, that is what their defense or their offense or their team is. Because they've had three off seasons to build the team the way they want to or how they see fit. And I don't know about you guys, but if this is what Steve Spagnuolo's defense is, to me, this is unacceptable. And to be honest with you guys, I don't really feel confident moving forward into next season. I know we got a lot of football left this season, but just, just the trend and the trajectory of what this defense is and will be throughout the rest of the season, I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I don't have a good feeling that this is the guy that, that should be pushing this defense into the future to help build Patrick Mahomes and help build his legacy and help win more Super Bowls, quite frankly. And again... Coming into Steve Spagnuolo's era in Kansas City, I didn't feel comfortable about it, and he proved me wrong. I'm willing to be proven wrong again, but at this time and at this place, I have a hard time believing that these things are just going to change dramatically over the next 10-plus games. I, I just I don't see it. So we'll, we'll leave that one there. And then, I, I look, I, I created the, the, the saying, the hashtag, Veach season, because I liked some of the aggressive moves that, that, that Brett Veach has made as Chiefs GM. Since 2018, he's been ultra-aggressive. He's been extremely aggressive, and I like that because the Chiefs' M.O. for three decades before Brett Veach was playing it very safe, playing it very methodical. Don't trade a bunch of draft picks. Take the, the the best player available in the draft and overspend on this guy that you know is on the team already because the fans love him so much. Like Those were things that happened before Brett Veach. And I love the style of GM that he is. And I think the win-now mode was the correct mode to go with when it came to building around Patrick Mahomes from day one because Patrick Mahomes was ready to take this league over on day one. I wanted to see the Chiefs go out there and spend on big-time free agents and trade first-round draft picks to go get that veteran because I believe that was the right way of going. Well, now as we currently sit here and look at this team, that is no longer the way this team can go building a team around Patrick Mahomes. You can't. Because the money isn't there, and quite frankly, a lot of these veteran players that have helped the Chiefs get to back-to-back Super Bowls are now fat and happy, counting their dollars, not counting their sack totals on the defensive side, or counting their receptions on the offensive side. Sammy Watkins, who made almost $50 million, became a glorified decoy in this offense, and now is no longer playing with the Chiefs. Frank Clark makes $1.4 million a game this season, and has just as many tackles as Marcus Kemp, who's a special teamer. And a wide receiver, by the way. Anthony Hitchens is too busy talking shit on, on fans on social media than making actual tackles on the field and made $45 million himself from the Chiefs. These are things that, that automatically look negative on the Brett Veach legacy. 
This is why I said that I thought that Josh Gordon was an important asset to Brett Veach's legacy in, K in Kansas City as Chiefs GM. Reason being, you get a guy like that to pop on the offensive side, all of a sudden, this whole ex-receiver problem that the Chiefs, are, the Chiefs fans are obsessed with goes away. And so far to this point, Josh Gordon has one reception for 11 yards. Again, I like what Brett Veach did from the beginning. But if we're being honest here, Brett Veach was born on third base as Chiefs GM. What is the biggest... The the, the 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 thing you have to take care of first and what is the biggest priority of building a team addressing the quarterback position refuge has never had to worry about that now granted he did scout patrick mahomes we know how the story went but john dorsey's the one that went and pulled the trigger on patrick mahomes he's the one that drafted patrick mahomes Brett has never had to worry about building the quarterback position here in Kansas City so his biggest priority and his biggest hill to overcome he already overcame it he never had to worry about that. So his only focus is building around a cerebral talent like Patrick Mahomes. And he, for the most part, has done the thing, done things the right way. But now we're looking at this team as currently constructed, and it's not good enough. And that is a part of what Brett Veach has done. Signing guys. Look, we can sit here and talk about, well, Frank Clark played really well in the 2019 playoffs. No shit. We all know that. We all address it. He did play well. He put up historic numbers, actually, as, as, a, as a member of the Chiefs in the playoffs at that time. But as I recall, the Chiefs didn't sign Frank Clark to a three-day contract or a three-game contract. Signed to a five-year deal and gave up him a first and a second-round pick to get him. That's a long-term... You're, you're looking at Frank Clark as a long-term solution, not a three-game solution. Same as Sammy Watkins. He was brought here to be a veteran presence, a guy that Patrick Mahomes could rely on on a consistent basis. And he was anything but that. Sammy Watkins was not reliable at all. When he was on the field, defenses respected him because he's good. He's talented. But he was always hurt. Some hamstring injury that always kept him out in week six for some damn reason. It's continued in his Baltimore Ravens career. So these are reflections on Brett Veach. And I'll give him praise as much as I can when he makes the right decisions and things end up going the right way and they come to fruition. But at its current time, I can't give Brett Veach a lot of credit for what this team has become. Because he's helped build it. And the guy that I have to give the most criticism to and the most blame to is the guy that, that changed everything here in Kansas City that I love and I adore as much as I possibly can. And that's Andy Reid. Look, I wouldn't want anybody else to be the Chiefs head coach. Still to this day. And I'm still not on the side with a lot of these folks out here saying that they want Andy Reid to retire or step down or be fired. I'm not there. Because I truly believe that Andy Reid is one of the two to three best coaches in the NFL. And I've never been one that has entertained, even, even entertained the thought, and I've heard a lot of people bring it to me over the last four or five weeks. I've never even entertained the thought because I've held this, this team and Andy Reid, quite frankly, to such a higher standard. But guys, it's really starting to look like there might be some actual off-field distractions in Andy Reid's life. And we saw this 10 years ago, and it's not any of his fault. I'm not criticizing for this. It's just a reality of what he's, what he's gone through. Ten years ago, we saw in Philadelphia when his son overdosed, how things on the team started to fall and falter. And then he ultimately was fired and then went to Kansas City. We know how that story goes. Well, ten years later, you can't tell me it's a coincidence now that we consider all things and how this team has played to this point and the fact they're three and five since the Super Bowl that the Britt Reid situation hasn't weighed heavy on, on Andy Reid and this team as a whole. We've seen Andy Reid 
address the media, and, and he always takes responsibility for how the team is playing if they lose or something goes wrong. He always says it starts with me. Well, he's right. He's not just saying that because he's a humble leader. He's saying that because it's true. The problem is now, guys, is that he's starting to talk about how this team doesn't have an identity. That's when shit's getting real. This isn't a struggle. This isn't a team just, just you know, having the yips or having a little issue here and there they just got to get over. When your head coach, seven weeks into a season after going back-to-back -back Super Bowls with essentially the same core head of, of coaching staff and team and key, and key players are telling you they have an identity crisis, that's when things internally are going wrong, not on the field. The, sure, the execution hasn't been there, and they haven't been consistent on either side of the field for the most part, but this tells me there are things going on in that locker room, and there are things going on in these homes. And I stay away from, we talked about this when Stan Simmons asked the question about Patrick Mahomes' personal life. I stay out of that stuff because that's none of my business. But when you can see that things in people's personal lives are affecting, like Frank Clark admitted in the press conference yesterday about his, his personal life affecting him, you start to add it all up. And I think that Andy Reid is starting to deal with these same things. I don't think it's because he's not a good coach anymore or he's lost a step or he doesn't care anymore. I think there's some things that are weighing heavy on his mind and weighing heavy on his family, and he's having to deal with those things while trying to keep this team at a level that we all expect them to be. And again, you all can sit here and try to make the justification about, well, this team is struggling because they're mentally and emotionally broke down. I would agree with that. But again, I have to reemphasize the fact this team came into the season as what, guys? The Super Bowl favorites, correct? We all penciled the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, because that was the expectation. And it's not there, and they haven't met it. This team has failed. Andy Reid has failed. Brett Veach has failed. Steve Spagnuolo and his defense has failed. And to a certain level and degree, Patrick Mahomes has failed as well, guys. And we got to expect better than that. <clears throat> now, I want to get your guys' thoughts on that really quickly. We're going to get Shaggy in here in a second. But there's also something else that I want to address that took place recently on social media that we will, we will address separately. But I want to start with you, Trevor. When it comes to the quote-unquote blame game, how do you see it going down with the Chiefs so far through eight weeks or seven Boy, weeks? Where do I start? Um, all right, so yeah, you touched on the Patrick Mahomes things. Um, that's something I've kind of been saying on the show for the last couple of weeks. Uh, he deserves some of the blame because he's not been who you expect him to be. Yeah, he's made up for it on some you know, possessions where we'll score points and he'll look great on one possession and then he'll look terrible on another one. You know, that's that was the that was the the Washington game altogether. We played an entire half where he looked like shit. And then he and he ends that half with one of the worst, if not the worst, interception he's ever thrown throughout his football career. Um and then he tore him up and scorched him the second half, playing like the guy we know who he is. Um, I just think there's inconsistencies and distrust around the entire locker room and the entire organization right now. Um, I don't blame Brett Veach at all. I think Brett Veach, Brett Veach outside of a couple picks um, that were a little suspect. Um, granted, I'm not even blaming him for taking the running back as early. And a lot of people wanted to blame him for, for doing that. But, I mean, honestly, that pick came from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They, Patrick Mahomes it was even quoted on saying that's the guy he wanted in that pick for that with Clyde. I didn't like the I didn't like the early pick. I don't like I don't like first round running backs. Uh, uh, I just don't like it, and I don't I'm not knocking Brett Beach for that. Um, I think he's done everything. He's been aggressive, and this is the time specifically to be aggressive as a GM for a young quarterback early in the years rather than later in the years. You have less you're less risk. You're more risk. You have more chances to take risk early on in the years for a young. Uh, um, prime years quarterback to you know overcome certain things if certain things fail later on in the years it's, it's more difficult to do that so i don't i don't blame brad beach nearly at all um outside of a you know um like the, the speaks pick maybe is the worst thing he's done 
Outside of that, he's done everything he can to make past life easier, and that's what you want out of a GM. I, so I don't blame him or fault him. For, and there's going to be trial and error. There's going to be hits. There's going to be misses. That's everywhere you go. Um, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be these things. You can't knock a GM for picking a guy that gets injured. That's just not no, you how can, I... You can knock him for signing a guy to a five-year, $104 million contract that has had, what, seven sacks in his last 20 games? Who peaked. Who peaked, and then after after that contract, is a couple of the guys have decided to not play up to that peak. So I don't I don't blame Brad Beach for that. That's a player issue. If the player's playing bad after he peaks and, and does get us over the hump and get us a championship, Brett Veach did his job. He got us a ring. If the players decide to play like shit after that, that's out of Brett Veach's hands. I John, get it. But John, John we, Dorsey we did paid, lose his job because he gave out contracts that didn't pan out, though, and that's what Brett Veach has now players, done. To older players. Well, Eric Berry was 26 years old. Yes, but he was all he was already getting hurt, blew his ACL. Mm-hmm. All and these had an all-pro year, back-to-back years before he got the contract. Yeah, so, I mean, typically you don't want to pay players for what they've done. You want to pay them for what they're doing currently and what you think they are going to do further. Yeah. And I think that's what he he expected. And, and Frank Clark, and and obviously Frank Clark's dealing with injuries. Chris Jones is just not performing. Um, and this is why we're nervous. And I, I don't blame him because we would be, we'd be a lot more nervous right now if they extended Tyrone to a nice contract right now with the shit that's going on right now. So I, I, I appreciate the patience they're taking with Tyrone at this point because I think they're kind of learning like, hey – these guys are not wanting to perform. So either way, I I think Brett Beach takes the least amount of blame in my book because I respect him. I really, really do. I think he's and he, also he's a young GM, mind you. This guy got he walked into some big shoes. Uh, and granted, I think if you, you get if you're going to blame Beach, you're going to have to simultaneously b- blame Reed for whatever you want to blame Beach for because we all know. Which is why I have Andy at my at the top. We all yes, yeah. we all know Andy Reed is behind the curtain. Yes, pulling a lot of most of the strings. Which for, also for makes Brett it easier for Brett Beach because he doesn't really take the brunt because it's Andy and Patrick that take the brunt of the responsibility right. and the blame and like, Tyron. Quite look, frankly, man, there's risk in this game, especially as a GM, as someone who's trying to to. It's hard to win Super Bowls. It's hard, and I get it. It's, the contracts are not pretty. Looking at it from from hindsight, we are excited to bring those guys in. We are excited to extend Chris Jones when the time when those things happen. We are stoked. We can't we can't retroactively hate him now. No, it's, it's I, I was invested. To I was invested. Now. Us as fans were yeah. invested when those things happened. When those contracts were handed out, we were stoked. And now they're playing like shit. And now they're acting like they're prima donnas. Now they're acting like they're higher than all. That's that sucks. But we have to eat that shit sandwich right now. That sucks. But I'm not going to hand out blame to the to the front to the to the the ups and and to the GM to the Andy Reid because they expected these guys to play and these guys are deciding to turn their backs on us fans. It is what it is. It happens a lot in the NFL. This is a trend that's been going on since the end, the beginning of this this game. Once it became more of a, a, a higher end, high paying game, players get paid and they get comfortable. You know, that's just it is what it is. It's it, that's in almost any job. You know, someone gets a raise and they get comfortable, and it's just it, that's just a lot of it's human nature, and it's unfortunate. But these guys got paid, man, and they're comfortable now. Uh, so I I definitely blame the performance and the players first in my book. Honestly, that's what comes first because we're not we're not talking about season and in injuries or freak things happening these are guys that are on the field 90 to 100 percent of the fucking snaps every sunday and they're not playing they're not playing up to par they're not playing even halfway up to par half the time there's too many clips there's too many there's too many things happening on the field that are just we're just just straight up business decisions just wanting to extend their career maybe find that next contract for another team hopefully uh yeah, so it's a lot of frustration on my end as a football fan first, watching the players just not play football up the par. That's my biggest issue. Patrick's going to be fine. Yeah. Patrick's pressing right now, yes, but he feels like he has to. He's a young guy still. We forget how young Pat is still. Just last season, the beginning of last season, he was still figuring out certain coverages. Once Patrick finally clicks and he understands what he, understands what he needs to do and maybe play some safe football every once in a while, be more patient, stop trying to play hero ball too much, that's his biggest flaw. He wants to be a hero. 
And it's worked out more from in his career than it has not. We won a Super Bowl because of a hero play. So I'm not going to knock Pat that much. Granted, he needs to be better. Um, but he's the last on the list by far. Um, as far as Spags goes, I still love Spags. Look, this comes down to my players issue. Spags has guys in position. Granted, there was an over over uh, trust in, in uh, Sorensen and Neiman, guys like that that are just not playing. We, but we saw Nick Bolton. Yeah. Absolute stud last week. Which had Derrick Henry shook. That's a guy I believe is a, is a Spags guy. I love that pick. I like hard-nosed Mike linebackers. I love that. We needed that. We needed a guy that's going to meet pe- people in the backfield. So moving forward, I think there's going to be guys. Willie Gay, I think, was starting to look better. Uh, that interception was great. So I think there's guys that are just that just need to get more acclimated. If we got to bench starters, if we got to bench guys that are making the money, fuck it, dude. We got to do what we got to do. And I, I do. I, I do trust Spags. I think Spags is a good defensive coordinator. I really do. I think there's been some mistakes. I think there's been a lot of guys that are. I think it's an effort issue all around. I think he, he might have lost the locker room, but not to his detriment. Yeah. I think he's lost the locker room because there's some prideful ass dudes in his locker room that think they're better than everybody. I think that's the issue going on right now in this Chiefs locker room. I don't think it's a coaching issue. I think I think it slightly is, but I think it's more of a. a, a uh, a talent that's not wanting to go play up to their talent. I think I think we're we're and I want to move to Eddie as well because I, I know you probably have some more to say. And I want to yeah. get to Shane as well. There's a lot to touch on. Yeah, man. there is, and we're going to definitely touch on all of it. Yeah. Where I do believe it is a coaching issue is when you see the lack of adjustments being made week in and week out. We know mm-hmm. what defenses are going to do against this Chiefs offense. I, I I broke this down on Twitter, guys, all week, and I had a lot of people I trust and believe in that were combating me on this when I said that the Chiefs need to take more of a balanced approach on offense, running the ball a little bit more because in in games where the Chiefs since 2019 have ran the ball more than 21 times, which isn't a lot, Mm -hmm. they're 20-3. and And so I just think that there's more of a balanced attack here because we know we see how defenses continually and consistently play cover two defenses and force the Chiefs to run those 10-15 to play drives. That's offensive adjustments. Yes. Yes, exactly. We're not seeing that, which is why I'm led to believe Andy Reid, who always makes adjustments throughout his career, isn't making these adjustments. And how we saw with Alex Smith, especially in 2017, where you'd see still conservative football, but then when they saw the defense pull up, he would throw over the top. We don't see a lot of that anymore. I feel, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to be real, guys. I think that to a certain degree, Andy Reid has gotten a little lazy with how he has called games because he knows how great Patrick is. Yeah. When he was with Alex Smith and Alex Smith was his quarterback, he had to be creative to keep this offense fresh and keep defenses guessing because of his limits, Alex Smith's limitations. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be not going ultra conservative, but not being overly aggressive. You got to find that balance in between to where you're keeping defenses guessing all night, all day. Aaron Rodgers against the Cardinals was averaging three and a half yards per attempt in that game, but he was picking that defense apart consistently and methodically to where at the end he could start throwing deeper down the field and making effective throws without Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon. As Robert Tunyon, yeah, Robert Tunyon snaps his knee Definitely in the game, yeah. still goes out there and is able to move the ball. Why? Because they kept the ball in screenplay little dump-offs, little hand, little tosses, things like that, to where the Cardinals defense, who's been so effective this year, had to guess. Yeah. And that defenses aren't guessing against the Chiefs' offense this well, year. Well, situations like that with Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes is going to get there. That's the, the wisdom you see in, in Aaron Rodgers' game is unreal. The, this ability to find guys and extend the play just long enough to know where the guy's going to break open and find him and just throw an absolute rope. Uh, that, that Randall Cobb connection, I mean, those guys are like, there's like 80 years of age right there between those two guys. Yeah. So um, that was incredible. That's Aaron Rodgers, my guy. Um, but as far as the, the defensive adjustments go, I just want to say this real quick and I'll give it to you, bro. Spags was expecting to get there with four this year. 
That's why we haven't been as blitzing as much. Because, dude, there's been teams all over the league that have been. We're supposed to have one of the best offensive lines in the in the league, and and teams are beginning there on with four rushing four, sometimes three, damn near three, getting there sometimes on our offensive line. So, we have the most money invested in our defensive line out of any team in this league. Spag should expect those guys to get there with four. Chris Jones wanted to be on the edge. He lost weight. He, he chiseled himself down to play that position. And he's been terrible. But he's supposed to be doing his job. He's supposed to be getting pressures on the quarterback, and he's not doing it. He's supposed to be hitting running backs when they're getting to their gaps or right as they're getting to their gaps. No, he's playing two-hand touch. Spags, this isn't a Spags issue entirely. Some of it is adjustments, yes, but he's kind of limited on that one. His, four, his front four is not even getting there. Not a, like barely at all. Yeah. We're barely getting any quarterback pressures. We got to rely on a Mike, a Mike uh, linebacker to hit Derek, uh, to hit Derrick Henry, and stop Derrick Henry. We're, we're we're depending on a rookie to do that, and he was doing it. But what if he wasn't? Right. You know, we would have gotten slaughtered even more in that game than we than we did. So I just think it's we got we we just got the players that we that we paid had to go out there and play. If not, we're screwed, man. And that's not entirely on Spags. I can't put that on him. Granted, adjustments, maybe playing some guys back and just accepting that we're not going to get pressure, fine. But then if you're not getting pressure, the quarterback's comfortable, and then you're going to get beaten a lot of different ways. So I think what he's doing is okay. I think we need to try to get pressure with four. This, this defense is just a mess entirely, and I can't put it all on Spags, though. Yeah, I, I get that you can't put everything on the Spags, but at the same time, when you don't make adjustments, when you don't try and make, make your defense better, I think at that point is uh, – you're putting that talent out there. You're you're the one that's the Sorensen trust was bullshit. Yeah, he so have the trust he has on those players and the accountability that he holds them to, which is pretty much none, because I I really don't see any accountability uh, being being given by Stags or Eddie Reed. That's that's where everything is going going wrong. I think, in my opinion, it's there's no accountability. You fuck up, you're you're guaranteed a starting spot next week. Mm-hmm. Like how, how does that how does that work? Because that's every football yeah, team though, man. Because it, this is me bringing in soccer where I shouldn't because it's two different sports. But in soccer, if you fuck up, if you keep fucking up, let's say you fuck up for two weeks, that 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 coach is not going to put you back out there because you already fucked him twice. If he doesn't care if you're getting paid the most out of the whole team, you're not starting the next game. Why? Because there's accountability. And that's what the Chiefs do not have. The Chiefs don't have that accountability. The Chiefs, they just go with the players they have and they don't give a fuck. It's like... Oh yeah, I don't care if you missed twenty tackles this week. I, I don't care. You're starting next week. Like, there needs to be some accountability. There, there needs to be more responsibility towards the the the, the coaching staff. They're not being uh, 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 questioned more than they should be. Mm-hmm. This ever like you, I agree with that. Yeah, like uh, like Trevor. Trevor's focusing on the players, but at the same time, you also gotta focus on the coaching. Why is it? Why is the coaching putting the same talent out there knowing that it doesn't work? Try to adjust to that situation. I think you guys would agree. If if Daniel Sorensen didn't start, start the first five, six games, yeah. the Chiefs don't lose a couple of those games yeah, simply because say, he blew coverage exactly, on numerous say, touchdowns. Let's say he plays two games, right? We'll give him two games. Two games, both games he fucks up. He needs to be hold, uh, held accountable to those fuck-ups. That's why I said it's if like, we got to okay. bench some guys that are getting paid, That's what I'm saying. at this point we have that, to do something drastic. But at the same time, as a coach, you don't want to burn bridges with players because once you burn a bridge, they're pretty much gone. That's, at, a, that's a tough situation that, these guys that, coaches that, are in, you, man. I, yeah. Look, in my opinion, you shouldn't care what a player feels. At the end of the game, this is at the end of the day, this is a business. And mm. if you're not going to put that same effort every week, why should I put my trust in you? 
And that's kind of what makes Andy Reid great, though, is he's a player's coach. I, he does care what I these get players. It, but now we're seeing we're seeing the uh, there's a line. effects of it. Right, there's a line that needs to be drawn, though. That's what that's what of I'm course, saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Now we're seeing care the effects to a degree. of him being that player's coach, being that 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 friends, uh, being, yeah. uh, friends with the players. Which at the end of the day, yes, I get it. You you can be friends with these guys, but at the end of the day, you're the you're the coach. You're the guy in charge of them. You tell them what to do. That's why I don't believe that Andy has lost the locker room. What yeah. I think has happened, though, is I think guys have gotten lax. I think, yes. that they, Yeah, I just think that they've gotten to a place where, because, you know, daddy's not going to come down on us about this yeah, because he, he's a player's coach, and he is. Yeah, and there yeah. are positives to that. I do like there's that approach. There's more positive than there's yeah. negatives. But, now, like I said, those positives are not becoming they're, – they're affecting this team. The, the whole uh, being relaxed and all that is starting to affect this team. And now – these coaches are starting to feel the pressure of the fans and the players are starting to feel the pressure from the fans because we're starting to question, like, what what are you guys putting out there? Yeah. Like, this team, it shouldn't be where it's at right now. Right. Uh, so I just think if the Chiefs want to get better, I think there has to be accountability. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree 100%. That's why I focus more. And I know, Trevor, I, I respect what you're saying about the players because the players do own a lot of responsibility. But I think that the failures to this point, in my opinion, have been more heavy, heavily weighed on the coaching staff because of them being the same coaching staff for three years now. I think that there's a lack of motivation and a lack of drive, and I think that's a representation of the coaching. Now, money. we have the supreme pleasure of being joined by not only, I wouldn't even call him a guest, I call him a, a brother, a family member of the of the Spoken Podcast, one of my best friends, a guy I respect vehemently and was very excited to get him on the show. We actually scheduled this two, three weeks ago, I believe, and I think... Despite how bad things have gone, both on and off the field, which we will address, I think this is the perfect week to have our on the show. So let's give it up for Mr. Shaggy Shane Williams. What's going on, man? What's up, man? How you doing today? Hey, man. Things are going good, man. Uh, as good as it can be. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear me, Eddie? Yes. Can you hear me, Trevor? <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And that means the world can hear me as well. Thank you for having me on the show. There's a lot to say, but there's a lot to dissect. There's a lot to digest, but once it gets through our digestive package, we have to ask ourselves, how will it exit? Yeah, no, no shit, literally. Uh, let's let, let's start something here, Shaggy, because I know you said, a, I, I believe a week ago or at least a few days ago, that you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you brought up a theory, a take, on Tyron Matthew and his future with the Chiefs. Now, there are some recent developments that came up on social media, and we know that Tyron's very vocal on social media, but now it's not just him. It's also uh, starting linebacker Anthony Hitchens that is uh, being rather vocal. We haven't even broke it down yet on the show, but I know you had a theory. I know you had a take about what the Chiefs could potentially do if they continue to struggle this season with Tyron Matthew. I want to get. I want. You, I want to give you the platform so you can tell the the listening and the viewing audience what your take is, and if the recent developments that took place on Instagram last night have changed or strengthened your take. I wouldn't say it was a take per se. It's just the way you want to look at things for the Kansas City Chiefs long term. And I, I appreciate you, Lance, giving me the platform because I have a lot to say. Uh, earlier in the week, I put out there. And, of course, I did a couple weeks ago, but uh, Tuesday, I said the Chiefs have a chance with the trade deadline 
would you entertain the thought, I said this to the Chiefs fans, of trading Tyron Matthew for a draft pick if this team continues to struggle on trade deadline? And I, it went about 70-30 against it, and I understand that. At that time, Chiefs fans were against it. Hell no, we're not trading Tyron Matthew. Give him his money. Give him his money. But there were some saying, you know, the way this team's playing and if we're going to evolve for years down the line, then you have to entertain the thought of trading Tyron Matthew. It was just something to put out there. I wasn't hating on Tyron Matthew per se, but I was just putting out there, would you fans be interested? But like I said, I put it out there earlier in the week. Then the events unfolded last night on Instagram where Chiefs fans were talking on a group, just putting it out there that these players are falling short. Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens or any other Chiefs player was not tagged. They were not tagged in this post. They were not tagged at all. It was just a bunch of Chiefs fans talking on a Friday. Hey, what do you think about this? Does this player live up to that example? Or is this player living up to that contract? It's what we do as fans. It's what we have done before the internet. It's what we have done for years and years. You debate when your team struggles. Is this player living up to that? And is this player worth uh, playing? And then, as we all know, Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew jumped in showing their lack of leadership, showing their lack of dedication to the Chiefs, showing their lack of sincerity to the Chiefs kingdom, to Chiefs fans, man. You do not slam your fans. You do not. When you're not playing at a high level, you just simply do not slam your fans. Throughout the years, I'm going to be 52 in the three weeks. Uh, throughout the years, there's always been Chiefs players getting slammed whether it was sports talk, sports radio, sports, and then the internet came, and this is what we do. We talk, hey, this player's doing good, this player's doing that. And there's been some real heat on some cats. There's been some real heat on some Chiefs players, and justifiably so. We came down hard on Matt Castle. We had a flyer before him because we wanted the not only Matt Castle to leave, we wanted the culture to leave because we weren't winning. But did Matt Castle say anything? Did he tweet anything? Nope. Alex Smith, the same heat. We came down hard on him when he wasn't living up, when we were getting first-round playoff buys because Eric Berry was carrying our ass and Alex Smith was falling short. Chiefs Kingdom came down hard on Alex Smith. Did anybody, did Alex Smith say anything? Nope. But let me take it further than just the Chiefs and their fan base. When Colin Kaepernick stood up for social injustice and took a knee and he was freaking drilled by millions of people worldwide, not only in the United States, did Colin Kaepernick get on there and say, this is unjustified. Uh, you guys are just fair weather. Nope. You know why? Because Colin Kaepernick, Matt Castle, and Alex Smith are all leaders. Whether we're talking about sports or social injustice or what have you. My point is, when Ch tiny little Chiefs Kingdom starts questioning the way these players play on the field, and they're not living up to uh, their standards, we get that right. We get that right. You know why? Because we're fans and we care about our team. But to the point of trading Tyron Matthew that I asked earlier in the week, I think it has to happen. It has to happen by next Tuesday. Is he going to come to play next Monday with the right frame of mind, knowing that the majority of Chiefs Kingdom freaking hate him now and pissed off and want him off the team? I don't care. He's going to give some sorry-ass apology either today or tomorrow saying, oh, I wasn't. I wasn't coming down hard. I was just I was just being myself. That's what I do. Tyron Matthews not right in the head. How many times has he 
and I don't mean that because there's a lot of people with really mental issues out there in the world that, honest to God, need help. But there's something not right with Tyron Matthew. The fact that he gives a crap that eight minutes after the Titans game ends, eight minutes, the dude hadn't even showered yet. He runs into the locker room and sees what Chiefs fans are saying to him about him on Twitter, and he starts getting on there. The leaders need to stand up for this team, and this is desperate. This is real shit. The leaders of this team need to get together and say, right, I mean, right now, right now, they're having practice today because it's a Monday game, so they have practice two days before the game actually happens. When you guys, when the team gets together, they have to recognize, hey, Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens are mentally stable enough to be on this to be playing. I know Hitchens ain't playing because he's injured, but Tyron Matthew needs to be replaced by Armani Watts, like ASAP. You may say, well, on the field, Watts isn't as good as Tyron Matthew, and but Tyron Matthew isn't mentally stable to go out and play football. When you care more about what your fans are saying about you on Instagram and Twitter then your freaking mind is in the right place. And that's Lance, that's his problem. That's his problem. It, He's it, more it, fixated and focused on what people are saying, and he calls himself a whole general. Well, I would have a hard time believing, Eddie, you were in the military, maybe you can attest to this, I would have a hard time believing that a whole general would be worried about what a civilian's saying. I, I don't think they care. I think they're focused on protecting the country, just like Tyron Matthews should probably be more focused on protecting this team and helping this team win games. I'm not saying you can't care or you shouldn't care but you can't let the noise affect you to this degree to this level that's just when it's unhealthy and i'm with you on that he's not stable enough to handle social media and the pressures that come with it i i want to move to more of a football side of things because i started the show off basically addressing my levels and where I placed my blame to why the Chiefs are 3-4 and four and essentially have failed to this point. And I started by criticizing Patrick Mahomes because he does deserve a certain level of it. I don't think it's a lot, but I think it's enough to at least address. Then I went to Steve Spagnuolo and his defense and their lack of adjustments and how they have simply failed year three, and I think there are some legitimate concerns of whether Steve Spagnuolo is the long-term answer defensive coordinator. Then I addressed... Brett Veach and some of the mistakes he's made with overspending on some guys who are now either not on the team at all or guys that are just basically raking in the cash and not putting in a real contribution on the field. And then I ended it with Andy Reid and how I believe with some of the things that may be going on in his personal life, we have to now entertain that theory or that belief. And I think that the lack of adjustments he's having to the cover two defenses that defenses are essentially running against his offense every single week are reasons why I think this team has ultimately failed to this point. What are your thoughts on that, Shaggy? We've seen Andy Reid's team slump and get on streaks his entire tenure as a Kansas City Chiefs head coach. And everything you said was spot on at the beginning of the show. But and people people call it the Super Bowl hangover. People call it, uh, well, it's unfair to ask this team to play at this level for uh, this amount of time. If the mistakes weren't so god-awful... You, you could, if the mistakes were like, you know, they simply were Patrick Mahomes stepped in the pocket and tried to force it into double coverage. It's not his fault. You know, he was trying to make a play. Uh, the criticism on Patrick, I think, is is somewhat unfair just because of the fact that he's trying. He's trying to pick up the slack for everybody else. And, uh, but the defense is uh, obviously slacking. But to the point, the grand scheme of it, in a nutshell, and this is what is the, this is what's the most, baffling stat of them all 
if the Chiefs don't turn over, turn the ball over against Baltimore at the end of the game, and if the Chiefs don't start the Chargers game week three with three straight turnovers, then we're sitting here five and two, tied with the Raiders, wanting to know what happened in Tennessee and why we can't beat Buffalo. But since we had those turnovers, then you're looking at, well, we're just a bad team. And to that, for some reason, when teams are known for turning the ball over, they turn it over. Not just two weeks in a row, not three weeks in a row. And in my 44 years of watching football since 1977, whenever the stats, whenever they put the stat on the TV, this team leads the NFL in turnovers. By golly, they will just keep turning it over. It takes weeks to stop turning it over. And if they wouldn't turn it over, they would be five and two, but they would still have these issues on defense. Sometimes the defense you would hope that the defense could, would be able to step up and uh, address those turnovers by holding the uh, holding the opposing offense. But in the grand scheme of things, to answer that question, Lance, in totality, it falls at the feet of Andy Reid. And Andy Reid's the first ballot Hall of Famer. What he done from 2013 to 2020 deserves props. It solidified his Hall of Fame freaking uh, – it solidified him as a Hall of Famer. What he has done – he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but there is an erosion from the coaching staff from Andy Reid on down that Patrick is feeling. You can tell in his game. He's not comfortable in the pocket. He's not me and you set together uh, for the Sunday night game. And we, we watched uh, other games where he, he would just have a clean pocket. He would set, he'd get the ball, he'd look, and he, it would be clean. He would bounce out just immediately bounce out and you'd be thinking, man, if he just, and then when we see the all 22 footage uh, later on in the week, uh, whether it be Seth Kaiser or, or Nick Jacobs, they would show if he just would have stayed in the pocket, that pass would have opened up or that second receiver would have been open. There's something in Patrick's head right now that's just telling him to do too much, but the entire, the entire thing falls at the feet of Andy Reid. And I think there needs to be, it pains me to say this because I get ripped on social media. There needs to be a complete culture change at the end of this year. Uh, I'm not going to ever say fire him, but I would hope that he would at least think about taking a step back because with Aunt, with uh, Tyron Matthew and um, the Honey Badge, Tyron Matthew and uh, Anthony Hitchens talk on Instagram last night showed that this locker room is broke up. Yeah, because it, it really did remind me, Andy, and Andy, I don't want—I don't want to—I don't want to sound extreme here, but it did remind me of when Eric Winston went out and generalized the Chiefs fans like that. It really did remind me of that, and that to me was the end of that era. We already knew that era was coming to a close, but when Eric Winston was coming out and literally generalizing Chiefs fans and saying things because of a few. That's when I felt like it was a real problem, and I've always been one that's believed that the Chiefs were going to pay Tyron Matthew, that he was going to be a long-term solution. I was in support of it because the guy's a damn good football player. But when things like that are being said, where he's saying that people are trash, when he's saying that, you know, that uh, just calling names, calling Chiefs fans names, generalizing a fan base, calling us toxic, that's when I think that the line is crossed. And if Andy Reid is going to reestablish himself in the, in the confidence of Chiefs fans to get this thing turned around, that is something he's going to have to address and, ad and address it directly, not through channels, directly with Tyron Matthew. And I don't know how he's going to do that. I really don't. I can have my theories. I'm sure you do too. But I just don't see how it's going to be repaired this season. I hope I'm wrong. And speaking of 
the rest of the season. Just a couple more questions for you here, Shaggy. The Chiefs have a game in front of them on Monday Night Football that is very winnable. I believe they're a 10, 9.5, 10-point favorite to this point, and they should be. Regardless of what the record is, they are clearly a better team than the Giants, and a lot of teams are. But even if the Chiefs were to go out here and blow out the Giants, and we're going to give our preview on this game in a little bit, but just to jump ahead and get your thoughts, even if the Chiefs were to blow the Giants out in this game, does it give you any swing of confidence that this team's going to turn it around, or do you feel that this is what should happen and it's just another NFC East team that the Chiefs beat up on? Like I said in my post um, yesterday, the Chiefs can go out and stop the Giants, just like they did six years ago. Six years ago on November 1st, 2015, the Chiefs went to the United Kingdom or to Britain to play a the Lions at their record of two and five after seven games. They just beat the Steelers and Landry Jones, a third string quarterback. And they went out and beat a bad team and they beat them up good. Um, it lit the spark that ended up putting on a 10 game winning streak to uh, be successful. But we all know that defense was stacked with number one draft picks and good draft picks by three different general managers. I don't need to name the names. I set them on my post of those players. That defense only gave up 15.8 yards per game um, the, during that stretch. The Chiefs should win, but going back to what I also want to talk about, Orlando Brown is not living up to the first-round trade. Tim Grunhard, major props to him on 810 WHB, talked about Orlando Brown's footwork. He's just uh, his his feet, his footwork on rush on pass rushers with speed force Patrick Mahomes out of the pocket and where when Patrick Mahomes gets out of the pocket to make a play Orlando Brown is unable to hold that rusher so that rusher is always at Patrick Mahomes back when he's trying to make plays out of the pocket where Orlando Brown is a good bull rushing left tackle Eric Fisher was a better left tackle when he was healthy when plays were breaking down when plays were breaking down and Patrick Mahomes was out of the pocket Eric Fisher was and uh the other right tackle, Swartz, was able to hold that pass rusher so Patrick can make plays. Those plays aren't getting made now because Orlando Brown's got poor footwork at this time. Can Orlando Brown turn it around? God, I hope so because we invested in a number one draft pick. But if not, um, we got another player we need to draft, uh, another part of the culture that needs to be changed. Actually, where I wanted to kind of tail in this entire conversation because Shaggy, you know, you you bring up the past to talk about the present, but what about the future here? Because as this team is currently constructed, you talked about an overhaul, you talked about a cultural change. Man, I feel like the culture is predicated on coaching. So, how much longer do you give this current coaching staff until you believe? Clark Hunt, who was aggressive, you know, nine years ago by getting Andy Reid in town. How much do you think that needs to be replicated by Clark Hunt? How much responsibility does Clark Hunt have if it continues to go down this route? Because I think you would agree with me. No one is too important to waste Patrick Mahomes' prime years. No one is, including Andy Reid, including anybody. Andy or Clark Hunt's got to do whatever it takes to give Patrick Mahomes as much as he needs to win Super Bowls. And, and one of my biggest theories is I just think it's simple. The Chiefs need to have more of a balanced attack on offense because we know as, as long as this team is great, it's going to be the offense leading the way. Well, I think that you got to have more of a balanced attack. I know our producer and our dear friend Clay Wendler 
is against the idea that you know we need to change things on offense. I stand strong on that side. I don't know where you stand on that ex- exclusively, but I'd like to get your thoughts on that. We have to continue to evolve because 31 other National Football League teams have done their homework. They say, how are we going to keep up with the Chiefs? What do we have to do to stop the Chiefs? How do we get on the same level as the Chiefs? They looked at us and was the measuring stick on what to do to stop us, be like us, and beat us. The Chiefs have to evolve. If this Chiefs team just looks like crap the rest of the year and we finish 7-10, and 6-11, and 11, and maybe we could talk about this on your offseason show, but I want to address it now because we have to think outside of the box right now because of where we stand for the locker room is in a situation. We have to think, how do we evolve? How do we evolve? Who, who do we trade? What do we do to get multiple draft picks? Because you said on your opening, Lance, and it's, damped, it's, it's on point, the Chiefs moving forward from 2022 on need to build through the draft. There can't be, oh, we need to trade a number one draft pick for this player or that player because me and you have had debates about Frank Clark, and we don't need to do that now unless you want to. I'll, I'm here all day. But to the point of where we need to go moving forward is we need to build through the draft. Tyreek Hill is going to be 28 years old next March. Hear me out before you put – hear me out, Chiefs Kingdom, before you freak out. Tyreek uh, uh, Hill is going to be 28 years old next March. He's going to demand top dollar contract. And you know what? I don't blame him. Tyreek Hill deserves to be the five-year guaranteed fat contract because Tyreek Hill has busted his ass. He's busted his ass to warrant that contract. And at 28, Tyreek Hill deserves it. But what do we have to do? we got to think, okay, well, we never really got any defensive ends because John Dorsey took Tano Passigno over Alvin Kamara. And then in the next year, Brett Beach took uh, Breland Speaks over anybody good. So we didn't address the defensive end. We just traded our left, our number one draft pick the last year for a left tackle. That doesn't look like it's going to be the left tackle. Uh, we're going to ditch our dumbass freaking safety who wants to talk shit on Chiefs fans. So he's going to be gone. Uh, there's a whole, there's a whole slew of changes that need to change, and that is the culture. The culture changes. And when the culture changes, you need to evaluate your team from top to bottom. And if you can get a top five draft pick for Tyreek Hill, let's say the Chiefs finish 6-11 and and we're drafting at 12. Let's say we can trade Tyreek Hill and get a first-round draft pick from a team as well as a high third or a second because Tyreek Hill is worth a first and a second-round draft pick. If you can get two firsts, if you have two firsts and two seconds for Tyreek Hill, and uh, along with the other moves you can make, then you can build your team. People think, hold on, Shaggy, we don't want to trade Tyreek Hill. You got to let it go. Because how long, how good, how much longer is Tyreek Hill going to play at this level? And how good is the Chiefs going to be if they give Tyreek Hill the fattest contract? What holes are they leaving open where they can draft? Because we're talking about draft now, Lance. They got Sammy Watkins, Frank Clark, and all these other, Tyron Matthew, all these players in free agency, and they made trades and whatnot. Let's build our own team. Let's build the core of these guys. Because when we were talking to the defense in 2015, how they lit that spark, they were all drafted by freaking the Chiefs. All of them. Dontari Poe, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, 
Marcus Peters, D4, Justin Houston, Tom Ali. These cats were all, all our guys. Let's get our own guys. I know it, it sucks to think about trading Tyreek Hill, but if you can get fat stack draft picks to draft, uh, if you can get two draft picks and the first 12 picks, I'm on board. And if it means, hey, I don't know if I trust Brett Veach to make these trades, and you know I've been at Brett Veach's corner since we met him in training camp 2017. If it means I don't trust Brett Veach to make these trades now that we're going to trade, hypothetically, Tyreek Hill, then you get another general manager in here. You get another general manager and says, I'm going to get you the damn good players now that you have now that you have four draft picks within the first 40. you got four draft picks in the first 40. You're going to get your left tackle, your defensive end, uh, running back, or not a running back. Just, you know, you're going to build the team, the culture. Because long story short, and I know I'm rambling, but this needs to be said, the culture needs to change. Patrick Mahomes is going to be here for the next 15 years. He wants to play. The kid has heart. The kid loves Kansas City. Build, get him a running game. Get him a freaking swarming defense and draft with it. Draft with it, man. I know I know it's tough to think about trading Tyreek Hill, but like I said, you're going to be in that situation, and uh, we're going to be asking ourselves, is the culture changed? Do we want to give Tyreek Hill this massive contract that he deserves? At the age of 28, you're going to be freaking, you're going to, Brett Veach or the next general manager or the next coaching staff or the next everything is going to have to evaluate how are the Chiefs going to do moving forward. Because 31 other National Football League teams have evolved. How did the Chiefs evolve? We can't stay status quo. We have to evolve. We have to grow. And if you're not growing, just like, yeah, we're going to give Tyreek Hill a massive contract. We're going to give Orlando Brown a massive contract. We're going to give we got chris jones massive contract there's these holes otherwise because we didn't draft we freaking whiffed like i said on tano passigno and breedland speaks and possibly orlando brown there's a lot of holes that needs to be addressed and we have to evolve and think long term are we thinking long term when we say give tyree kill a massive contract yeah, Lance, chief, the Lance, chiefs yeah the I, chiefs I, have I, built just like the rams have over the last couple of years the only difference is the rams have jalen ramsey and aaron donald to build their defense around i mean it's it's a it's a different equation and when it comes to patrick mahomes and the build the building the run game shane i couldn't agree more because there's no coincidence that patrick mahomes wanted clyde edwards first in the draft after knowing what it was like to have Kareem Hunt in the backfield. I mean, look how much easier and unstoppable that offense looked when they had a Kareem Hunt. And look what they do when, and look how awesome this offense looks when they're throwing the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. When you have a versatile running back, it opens up this offense and alleviates a lot of pressure from Patrick Mahomes having to make these big plays each and every drive where he feels like he has to score two touchdowns on one single drive. I get that it's on Patrick Mahomes to play better and make better decisions, but this offense has got to set him up a little bit better than what they have to this point. And I'm 100% with you that this team needs to build through the draft at this point because although it has has brought success over the last two years with getting the Chiefs to the Super Bowl, we have to also remember that the core players and pieces on this team that they have built success around were guys that were here before Brett Veach was even the GM. John Dorsey drafted a lot of these guys, signed a lot of these guys, traded for a lot of these guys that are still contributing to this team. That doesn't last forever. In fact, it's lasted longer than most people expected to have Travis Kelsey and these guys still out here performing at such a high level. That doesn't usually happen. You can't keep resting on your laurels. You need to build and develop your own homegrown guys. I couldn't agree more, man. So before we get out of here, I want you to say whatever you need to say, get get whatever you need to get off your chest right now because I know you got a lot, and let the people know where they can follow you on social media. You can follow me on social media at YouTube, just hit Shaggy Shane Chiefs and Facebook Shane Williams and Twitter at Shaggy Shane KC. I don't tweet as much, but 
Chiefs fans, enjoy this team. Enjoy having a great quarterback. We People may think that we are negative, you and me, but we just call it like we see it. But the icing on the cake was last night. That hurt. That hurt when you got a Chiefs when you got two Chiefs players calling out the Chiefs fans because we're a small sample size on um, in the world of all its problems and issues. We cheer for players just because it's our outlet and uh, it's they need to be leaders and professionals. Uh, Lance, I hope that we can continue to. I hope we turn it around. I would love to see a 2015 spark, the same spark that you know brought out a lot of fun. That season, you know, we ended up winning a playoff game for the first time in 30 years. And the question I have for you, Lance, that I want to ask, I want to ask before I go is, do you, would you, do you, do you understand the changing of the culture? Do you understand my point? And do you agree with what I'm saying? Do you, would you entertain the thought of trading Tyreek Hill for a first and second round draft pick if you could get two top five picks in the first and second round? I would be more hesitant to trading Tyreek Hill than a Tyron Matthew only because I believe that Tyreek Hill, even if he loses a step to his game, I still think he's going to be one of the five fastest receivers in the league and his game continues to develop and evolve. And over the last three years, you can make the case he's been the most productive wide receiver in football. And the idea of taking that away from Patrick Mahomes, because as much as we sit here and talk about how we need to give him an adequate run game to alleviate some of that pressure, I have a hard time believing it does anything but add more pressure to Patrick Mahomes when you take away his biggest game-breaking asset, even still while he's in his uh, early or late 20s. And we've had BJ Kissel on the show, something he said that sticks with me to this day, and I will continue to hammer it home until a new regime comes into Kansas City and maybe they have a different methodology or mentality was... He said that the Chiefs don't often like giving contracts to guys that are 28 or older, but there are exceptions. We saw them do this with Travis Kelsey. We saw them give a, a, a contract to a older safety in, in Tyron Matthew. He was turning 27. Tyreek Hill is 100% one of those guys that I think is the exception to the rule. But if they were to trade Ty Tyreek Hill for those types of assets or those picks... My biggest interest would be, can Brett Veach build upon that? Because if the Chiefs were to bring a top-tier pass rusher out of that, we all know that edge rush is more important than wide receiver when you're building an NFL roster. My question, though, is can Brett Veach do that? Because to this point, he hasn't done that. He's gotten some good draft assets and good picks. This last draft, this last draft cast with the Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Nick Bolton, but it took three years for Brett Veach to really show us that he can draft at a high level. So I just I, I reserve my right to be concerned about what Brett, Brett Veach can do in the draft. And trading Tyreek Hill is a tall ask from fans and Patrick Mahomes because I have a hard time believing that Patrick Mahomes would be on board with that. Do you feel the criticism? Let's say we finish six and eleven. You know, this is worst case scenario. This is worst case. I know I know we're optimistic about the Chiefs <laughs> being great and and they can get a spark. But worst case scenario, who's going to hold who accountable more? I believe that Clark Hunt stays out and lets Brett Beach and Andy Reid run this bad boy. Andy Reid and Brett Beach run it. If it comes question that Brett Beach needs to go, or if it comes question that Andy Reid's lost his uh, ability to keep the locker room, who's going to blink first? Is Brett Beach going to say something to Andy Reid like, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to hold you accountable for your coaching? Or do you think Andy Reid will say, hey, Brett Beach, you gave me these guys? Because we showed 
in June of 2017, where we're getting ready for that 2017 season, Andy Reid didn't hesitate to say goodbye to John Dorsey. We know that Brett Veach is connected to the hip at Andy Reid. Do you think Andy Reid will uh, dismiss Brett Veach if he feels like his player, his, his draft pick and his signings are poor? I don't. I, I, See, this has that, been that, my that, biggest criticism that, that, with Andy Reid. Yeah, is that he hires his pals, and whether those guys are the right guy for the job or not, they're they're there, and he doesn't move off of them. We saw this fan base literally demand Bob Sutton to get fired for that to happen. They had to have a universal collapse in overtime against the Patriots in the AFC Championship for that to take place. So, no, I, I think even if the Chiefs, worst-case scenario, finish 6-11, and whatever they're, you know, basically just fail completely, even if that was to happen, I have a hard time believing that Andy Reid would make that type of decision. I think he believes in his guys to a fault, and that could be even his undoing, which is why I bring up Clark Hunt, because I believe that Clark Hunt would have to step in to, in order for things to be resolved, because I don't think Andy Reid's the type that's going to say, I need to get out ahead of this. He's very reactionary. He's not a guy that sees it ahead of time and gets it in front of it and is proactive. A lot of times he's reactive. In fact, almost all the time he's reactive. So that's my biggest concern. That's my biggest issue. And that's why I'm anticipating that no real changes are going to be made in order for the culture to get better unless it's somebody that is very valuable to this team in a way that we can only give them credit for what they've done the, the previous three years. Now looking at this team honestly as what they are now, I would say that it have to be somebody high up to be taken down in order for the culture to really change. But we're, we're still... Not early in the season, but early enough to sit here and, and speculate on what's going to happen. But Shane, we're going to have you back on the show before the season's over, man. So we got to get your thoughts. Maybe even during the bye week, we'll have you back on to talk more about this. Well, like I said, we're evaluating seven games. Yeah. Seven games. We're evaluating a team that's three and four, and uh, could have been five and two, but we also reality could have been one and six. <laughs> that uh, Cleveland game we could have lost, we could have lost to Philadelphia. So it's kind of odd. We're in a situation where we could be five and two, we could be one and six. We're at three and four. November first, football begins on Monday for your Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid has shown he did it in 2015, and his teams were streaky in 2016, and of course, 2019. He can get a streak. They have the locker room to make it happen. It's just right now, the Instagram post is really from Matthew and. Honey uh, Hitchens is leaving a bad taste in her mouth. But it begins against a bad football team Monday night. I love you, Lance. I love you, Eddie and Trevor. Guys, keep kicking ass. Until next week on the Shaggy Shane KC Chiefs show. Go Chiefs, brothers. Yes, sir. We love you too, man. We always appreciate you coming on here, dropping facts, giving us the takes, man, being bold with what you believe in. I know you get flack. I get flack. But unlike Tyron Matthew, you and I can hang tough. So we really appreciate it and we love you, bro. See you guys. And you guys definitely need to follow Shaggy, man, because I'm telling you, he. Uh, I look forward to his shows each and every week because the guy gives us detail. He breaks things down from a, a very unique perspective, a guy that doesn't allow his fanhood and his fan his, being a Chiefs fan get in the way of being truthful and honest. Uh, even there's been times Shaggy and I have di vehemently disagreed on things, but at least I know that he's coming from a perspective that we, we like to obtain on a weekly basis, which is being honest. And I, and I definitely I appreciate what Shaggy said because I think that this is one of those things that we're lockstep in agreement on when it comes to the culture of the Chiefs the the 
almost it almost feels like inevitability that there's going to be guys that have to just go. I, I've never been one of those people that after a loss are like, this guy needs to be cut. This guy needs to be traded. Like I'm, I've never been that guy. But it's now getting to that place where yeah, it's starting to feel like that understand. has to be. We're the, we're the rarity of fans here, though. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely have a different take than Shaggy as far as the fan base goes. I think every single sports fan base is toxic to a degree. Uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to get that bent out of shape about Tyron losing. Tyron has and Hitchens both have misguided energy. That energy needs to go into back into their fucking football play. Yeah. Not 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 Twitter fingers. Not all that shit. Um, but I will say I, I I can't disagree with Tyron all the way, man. I mean I I I don't think he should publicly go out there and say that because that's that's definitely going to burn some bridges, and obviously it has. But the overwhelming majority of Chiefs fans are nasty, dude. Like. I can imagine things that are in his DMs. I mean, just off of Shaggy's post yesterday, I saw someone saying, uh, just saw it. So fucking tired of his attitude uh, that these bums have this year. I'll show you toxic, Matthew. Don't fuck with me. I'll bury your bitch ass. And also for Hitchens, to start this bullshit is a fucking joke. We pay your salaries, you fuck stains. Maybe we should boycott the stadium and then we should see what is toxic. You're leaning into the toxicity. This is what I'm talking about. I, I mean, this is what Tyron sees every damn day, I'm sure. So we can't sit here and blame these players for reacting the way they are. Granted, they should stay off of social media and, like I said, guide that energy into your play. Play better for who you are. But, I mean, if, imagine if us at our jobs were getting talked to like that if we were underperforming at one of our jobs. We would probably impulsively react too. Granted, they should stay off of social media. I agree with that. I'm not going to be the impulsive fan that's going to get emotional right away and tell them to go to hell and tell them we need to cut them. And t- We love Tyron Matthew for being who he is right there when we signed him. He did change the culture. Now we want to flip it and say he's, he needs to go because the culture has changed too far. We got it. We can't. We can't. There's, there's, there's give and take here. Us as fans have got to be, and I know I'm asking way too much for a lot of fans that, that drink a sixer and jump on Twitter, but us as fans as a collective, at least the ones like us that sit here and actually analyze things, think things through, take a week before we even come onto the, 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 the podcast and talk about it. Most people don't do that. Most people in, impulsively react to what is said, what is done on the field, blah, blah, blah. blah. Granted, I, I made my statement at the beginning of the show how I feel about these players not playing up to par, and that's the facts of reality right now. But at the same time, us as fans, we can't come out here and just kill people. We just can't do that. That's going to turn off other players from coming here as well because other players are seeing that as well. That's a bad representation of us too. It's a it's a it's a bad versus bad right now because those two guys as leaders of this defense should not be doing that. I want to see that on the field. Give me that attitude on the field. When you're making a tackle, give me that attitude on the field. Stop tackling comments on Instagram the and prob- tackle some real human the beings. The problem the problem with Tyron though, and we got to get to the Eddie hour in a second, but see the the problem with Tyron though, guys, is that he allows it to affect him constantly. It's not because it, he's constantly getting it. You got to you got to put yourself okay, in his shoes Trevor, at times. Yeah, no, no, you got you got to understand though. He searches for it. Yeah, he, he there are times, Trevor. Literally, I'm on Twitter all the time. A lot more both you guys and i see it and a lot of people call this out but but my point is he will literally go and search his name and like clay like uh like shane shane said before he even hit the showers he's already on twitter trying to defend his honor those are problems but we we loved it when we were winning the super bowl we loved it when he was going there attacking people no we never liked yes we did i'm not i i will not agree with that i've always (laughs) defended i've defended it being who he is but i've never liked it because i think you got to be able to rise above it that's who he's always been that isn't leadership okay that is not not saying no no no, i'm not i'm not supporting that okay but he was brought here to not just be a player but a leader a leader on this team 
That is what we're supposed to I'm see saying, from him. I'm not and saying going you. on Twitter. I'm no, not no, saying I you. I'm saying there are people that are going to say those things. There Trevor, were shots of like him saying so. "shut up, bitch" on but, Twitter but, when we were winning the Super Bowl. Trevor, but like you, you said, like you said though, <laughs> that every fan base is toxic, yes. right? Yes. Okay, so pointing out toxicity in a fan base is pointless. There is no reason to point it out if every fan base is toxic. No, I get, yeah. but go ahead. But, but, he's, but he's, so he's not wrong. That's what I'm saying. No, he's oh, not wrong. But he's, he's wrong, wrong to react to it. There's no reason to react to it. There is zero okay, reason. But you're saying what, my, but no, what but good did this do? What good did this do? My problem. I'm talking about both sides. I don't disagree. I disagree with him, and I disagree with the fan base. But the fan base is leaning into being toxic. Yeah, but you can't change the fan base. You no, can choose you to rise above it. No, I'm okay, Lance. But I'm, we're, we're oh, everyone's up in arms. All the fans are up in arms right now. I'm saying they don't have a right to be. You see my point? They're three and four. No, the Chiefs don't have a right to be upset about what Tyron's saying because what he's saying is true. It just sucks that he's saying it publicly. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's, both, the, both, that's the problem, right? Both Isn't that true. what we're addressing? Yeah, but we're, 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 expecting, we're, we're human beings. We're emotional. We're getting impulsive. A lot of fans are impulsive. He's obviously very impulsive as well and emotional. Right. We can't, we can't separate him and his humanity and then accept ours. Right. Him feeling the way he feels is fine. I'm saying going and doing what he did on I Instagram with Anthony Hitchens is, is, is inexcusable. I'm not disagreeing with that. But that's what we're addressing. We're we not addressing to, him feeling away. We We're addressing him both. the way he's reacting. We can, okay, but Shaggy is a fan. Coming out on the show as a fan, I've seen other posts, people coming out as fans. We can't have both. We can't have the cake and eat it too, man. We have to take responsibility for the shit that's being said to him as well. Granted, he shouldn't have come out and said it. I don't. We don't need to take responsibility for it because those are other okay. people's actions. My point. We're not, okay. I'm saying what I'm saying, Trevor, is you can't as the as a pro athlete. I agree with that. That's what we're addressing. So, and I, I, I know you wanted to say something. So that's what we're addressing here. Well, it's yeah. not. It's not all we were addressing. But, it's but. funny because you, you said how he goes and uh, searches his name and he tries to uh, defend himself and everything like that. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to picture any other sport that goes out there besides uh, NFL and NBA uh, of players going out there trying to defend their name. That's this generation we live in, man. It's uh, tw- the Twitter generation. Because yeah, because um, you go into like soccer. Me again with the soccer thing, but. Obviously, soccer is king in the world. And you got Cristiano Ronaldo and you got Messi who have social medias, but you never see them react to fans the way Tyron Matthews reacting to fans. Right. Like you said, there's toxicity in every team. But yet again, you don't see the, the, the big players, the leaders, fold to that toxicity. Yeah, you don't they see Pat when there's it. homophobic shit going on. Fans are saying homophobic shit to Pat's brother. You don't see Pat coming out and defending it. I get it. Everybody's different, though. That's, that's I'm, I'm not saying. defending it at all. No, but that's, that's leadership. I'm, but that's what I'm saying. That's the leadership that they need because as a leader, you need to fucking just phase that out, focus on your shit. This, focus is, on this is who Tyron's always been. This I, is who I he was it. before we brought I, him No, here. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That, that's, his, that's who he I'm is. I'm not excusing it, it but I'm, I'm just saying. But it's just you, like, uh, you just see leaders react differently than what Tyron reacts, I get because. Look at other teams. What other leaders do you see on Twitter that react the same way? And when does it ever end positively? No, yeah. You know? I know. Yeah, I don't like it, man. Yeah. I don't like it. But at the same time, facts are being stated by both sides. No, I get, I get it. I get it. But like Lance said, why is he like saying uh, uh, pieces about uh, the toxicity, even though it's in every fan base? Like, what was the need for him to say if we already know that's, that? That's my fans, point. No, but no, that but we don't. Fans, we know, that's, see, that's the thing. That's where the disconnect is between the fans. Us, we we know that. We acknowledge that our fans, the majority, overwhelming majority of sports fans and, and Chiefs fans in this in this argument, do not understand that they're toxic. They do not self reflect. They do not understand who they are and what they're saying. They, everyone, most majority of these fans that we've and I've seen on Twitter, it's literally like they drank a sixer and just started just going away. That's that's the it's they don't and it all goes. 
all goes, when you're a fan, you can say whatever you want, but as soon as someone says something slightly back to you, then it's a problem because of their player. And I get it. He should stay away from that. Chiefs, a lot of Chiefs fans should stay away from saying some of the, some of the shit that I've seen just on my short stints on Twitter. And I don't like the Matt Castle comparison. I don't like the Alex Smith comparison because we didn't, they, had, they were set to a different standard. They did not meet. They did not get us to the end goal that Tyrone was a big part of. Tyrone changed the culture when he came here and we won a Super Bowl. Right, but at this current time, Tyron Matthew. We can't and kick him when they're down, man. This isn't about That's kicking That's literally no, what's happening. No. Okay. It's called properly criticizing for what's going on, the lack of results. The standard has changed, but he was a part of changing that standard and got us exactly. to the promise. Exactly, and that's man. why he will forever. So have you don't that? think he has a slight more of a chance, reason to be defending himself more no. than Alex Smith would, more than no. Matt Castle? No. How would be he not have because more? Because of the fact, Trevor, that it's this, it's this, the standard's still consistent. No, it's not. The standard that he, that Tyron Matthew has and that Matt Castle and Alex Trevor, Smith had are different. No one is sitting here and downplaying what Tyron did in the past. We're talking about Literally right last season, now. We were in the Super Bowl last season. What do you mean? That's the past. Okay. We're in a current season. Okay, but he's been he's been and one, of the, one only, of the worst defenses he's in been, NFL okay, history. But he's been one of the only bright spots on the defense. He's it's not like granted he's had some tackles that should have been ta- or some missed tackles. Sure, exactly. But but in this current status, you know you do realize though that he is playing his part and why the defense is also playing bad though. This look this is a unit and you have to take responsibility for it. And the the point I'm, the biggest point I'm trying to make in all this whether you agree that he's vocal or not. The fact is, in moments and times like this, when you choose to fixate and focus and consume yourself yes. with what people are saying as opposed that. to what the results are, yes, yes. that's a problem. No, that's that, what I'm saying. That's that, where the toxicity is. That's not is. my argument. My argument is I, what you have to do when these two things happen, there's, there's, there's conflict from two different sides. You have to separate yourself, step out, put all the chips on the table, analyze. Put yourself on this side of the shoes. Put yourself on this side of the shoes. There's two different shoes here. One, you got to put yourself in one foot and then the other and, and, and try to understand why those two things are happening. I understand why. It's, I don't think, obviously, Tyron is wrong. He should not be going and searching his name. That's is, that's level 5,000 petty. We get it. But the, both sides are wrong, and we have to acknowledge that. The thing is, the Chiefs fans, a lot, a lot of Chiefs fans I see are doubling down and telling him they're going to bury his ass and all this. That, that, and that's not okay, right? You're okay, right. This is what I'm but saying. what do you both do sides- about them? What can you do about those morons out there? Nothing. But that no. But what I'm saying is that that's validating what he's saying. Okay, he just can, shouldn't like be saying. Like you said, publicly. put all the chips on the table and analyze. But there's nothing you can do about these idiots out here saying that shit because they're always no, going to exist. On, we have people coming on our show defending fans and saying that oh, we uh, we we gave no, Alex Smith Shane, the same. I don't want to speak for Shane, but what he was saying, Trevor, is the overwhelming majority does. There's a lot more homers out there than critiques or critics, uh, uh, skeptics. There are a lot more homers out there that are literally kissing, dude. I can I see it on Twitter on a daily basis. People are kissing Tyron Matthews' ass, yes. even in this moment. Chiefs fans, Chiefs kingdom, don't don't come at him. He's one of our guys. Yeah. A lot more people are kissing his ass than they are coming against him, Trevor. Right. So you're so right. There are the, major, is, the minority beyond, out there. This yes. is beyond so, Tyron so, Matthews. My no, point. So for this every for every ten, uh, let's say for every ten thousand good tweets, he gets five to ten bad tweets, and that's what he focuses on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not. That that's shit, a problem. That sh- I am not supporting not, him. I'm just. I'm playing. I get. I get what sides. you're trying to say, but yeah. at the same time, you also got to look at it. He's only focusing on the two percent of the fan base. He's not focusing on the whole fan base as a whole. He's, he's, he's pretty much uh, the what the two percent said to him. That's the whole entire fan base. You make you. You see what I'm saying? That's what he's focusing on. He's focusing on the he's, people. He's that generalizing, but at the same time, I, I see a lot of the same shit, though, man. I, I hear it a lot of it from even people when I talk about, like, random people on my job. When I'm, I'm out and about talking to random people, a lot, I hear a lot of the same shit. Just nasty talk about certain players. And I get it, man. That's what fans were, were passionate. I'm just saying. I'm not, I am completely disagree. I do not agree with anything that Tyron's done. 
I just want to see it on the field. That's all I care about is playing better on the field. Take that energy and put it into your football play. That's all I care about. This, I, I just don't. I think both sides have their wrongs, man, and I think both sides need to acknowledge it. And it, again, the, there's only one. There's only one millionaire paid athlete in this equation, dude. It's see, not these people. Yeah, but you're separating. There are different there's, expectations there's, of Tyron there's, Matthew. There's, there's there are human these beings fans. that human beings here. There's the human aspect. I get it. It's not that simple, though. It, it is, though. That's that when this is becoming a direct human being to human okay, being interaction. Trevor, it is. Sure. You know how every single athlete in in has pro Tyron sports been that bad. Hold on, Trevor, hold on. When Ty, every every pro athlete out there has a certain level of criticism on social media. Do you see Sports Illustrated, Barstool Sports, all these people? Hey, Ted from Wyoming said this about Tyron Matthew. No, because no one gives a fuck. But if Tyron Matthew says what he says last night, guess what? That headlines Yahoo Sports, Sports Illustrated, Barstool Sports, ESPN. Why? Because people give a fuck about what sure. they have to say. Okay, but has Tyron really been that bad this year as far as individual player? No, I'm not no. saying that. My okay, point so is the you... results aren't there, and he's sitting out here calling out the fans that fucking packed out Nissan Stadium last week in Nashville to see his ass. My guy Kevo spent over a grand, and he lives an hour away from Tennessee. Okay, an that's, hour, that's hold Tyron's on. An fault. hour. No, no, no. I'm, I'm putting a context here. There are people that spend over a thousand dollars to go to that game to watch the Chiefs put out fucking three points. Yeah, and, and Tyron, got their Tyron spent his entire life. I'm becoming saying, a football dude, player you're going to sit here and call us trash <laughs> and call us toxic when we're out here fucking filling up stadiums, home and away, to watch you play, and you're going to call us out as a fucking fan base that is unacceptable. You can call out certain individuals when you're calling a fan base toxic and trash. You're a fucking moron. Okay. Straight up. I'm just saying, Lance. You, you don't. You're not Tyron Matthew. You have to put yourself in his shoes. The shit. I did. He, I do. No, you, you literally can't. I'm. You just said I have to. Now I can't. No, you can't. Literally. So you don't. I'm saying there's things that he's probably his DMs, the things he's being saying to you at the stadium. He supposedly, reportedly, he told a fan to sit on a dick. Right. <laughs> what do you think was said to him? He doesn't just say that to anyone just for no reason, Lance. You gotta add context Trevor, to this situation. He literally searches his name out to I, cause I, a fight. I, 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 I don't know if that's a fact or not. That I don't, is a fact. I don't, people, how Trevor, do you know I that? see it literally on Twitter where people won't even mention him on Twitter, and he finds it because he says it says Tyron. Well, you know, algorithms can can if your name's. You're uh, you're telling me he's not searching not, his name out. I don't know. I dude. do. Not, I just broke it down. When you get okay. mentioned on Twitter, you see it. You have to go and literally look for your name to see people that don't mention you on Twitter. You have to go and literally look for well, it. You're that high of a status. He's looking for individual. it. I mean, there's going to be things that probably come across. Maybe someone shows him. I don't know, man. Okay. I, I don't know if he searches his name. I don't. But, but I really don't. Say, I'm not sitting here defending Tyron Matthew and his antics on social media. I hate it. I don't like it. I'm just saying <laughs> there is an absolute level of toxicity in every fan base, and I see it on a daily fucking basis on Shaggy Shane's post alone. This dude was talking about burying his ass. Like yes. that. Okay, but that's a micro-level stuff. And then there's obviously a whole other world on Twitter I can go on and show you a bunch of shit that's been talking about Pat's brother, that, talking about Pat's fucking wife you just said and his childhood distraction. Said that that's every fan base, Trevor. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So we have to acknowledge that is a big part of the fan base as well. I would say the general fan base is a lot of them are, a lot of them are like that. Not every fan base has a show where we sit there and break shit down like this, bro. A lot of them are just dudes going to have some beers and go to watch a game or go jump on Twitter and talk shit. My, see, uh, here I go with my soccer shit again. But think think of uh, how many how many people are focusing on Tyrant other than Chiefs fans? Nobody, right? L look at look at the world uh, renowned soccer players like Ronaldo, uh, Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, and then obviously you got Pulisic. You got all the players here in the uh, in America that are up and coming, McKinney. And then you got the Mexican players up and coming, uh, who are getting you know that that recognition around the, the the international level. You don't see them going out there and attacking fan bases or attacking any person. 
they don't th- th- that sh- it shouldn't matter mm-hmm. like you should just don't don't google or search your name google your name if you want to see what like kind of like a, get a general idea of what people are talking don't get trapped into it mm-hmm. that's what all i'm saying just I, don't I, get yeah don't get trapped into it he got he 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 trapped himself into that and and now he, it's created a whole fucking. Mess. I think I think Tyrants is one of those individuals that's that's fueled by it. He has to find ways to fuel himself, and we've seen him chewing his own his teammates out on the sidelines. We love that. Oh, I love that. You no, know, that's that that train that, that train in him doesn't stop. That's what I'm saying. So when he he's the worst person to be on social media yeah. because he's that same person. That same energy is he, going to come that's out. That's what I'm saying. He he. Uh, I guess he needs to learn how to. Do, uh, differentiate like that passion into the game and outside outside at, at home I'm just I saying we, we, we I get it I, 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 see, where can't, you, I see where you're coming we gotta from. love him and hate, we can't love him and hate him for I, the same exact no, things I, I, no I, I know exactly where you're coming from but at the same time he is held to a higher standard just for the simple fact that he's playing not just for himself but for an entire city an entire fan base I'm just saying, I, I've, I've, learned, I've read a lot of shit like this. There was another couple of like I, it sounds. No, a lot of it sounds like shut up and dribble to me, man. And I'm not with I, that. I'm not I, with I that get, at all. I get it, but at the same time, you're you're focusing just on the negative comments. Not once have you mentioned a, a, a good comment on Tyron Matthew. Oh, that's because that's the whole context of this conversation. I, we no, could, I get, I get I'm not it. acting like there's no comments out there that are positive. I, but I mean, we're talking but about the, the whole the whole rant was talking about. But you you know you, you use the, uh, the the saying that I like a lot is that you count the hits but not the misses. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is that we don't see Tyron Matthew recognizing all exactly. the ass kissing he gets. He only wants to come at the fans, and that's why it's a problem, Trevor. When he calls an entire fan base toxic, I don't and know trash. if he has or not. I don't know if he's I do, Trev. That's good. what I'm saying. He's acknowledged yes. no good ones. He, you don't ever see him acknowledge people that are but positively you, you building do understand, him up. You do understand positivity is not sexy. Negativity. That's is. literally my entire point of saying this. No, I, and I agree with that. But that's what makes the headlines the, the negative. He's shit. only acknowledging the name. How is that? Do you think? Do you think if he was acknowledging, saying, "Oh, thank you," to someone made a good post about him? Do you think that would make the headlines right now? No. Oh, this is because he called out the fan base. Right. If he called out the fan base, say, like, "Oh, y'all are amazing. So it's Every one of you like, are great. It's almost like Every one of you are great." So it's almost that like it's almost like, it's almost no, like what he's have. doing then is what the real problem is. Because again, if he doesn't even acknowledge this shit, we all look at those morons the same way, right? They're all morons for saying the horrible things he's saying about burying him and all that shit. That that's horrible things to say. But if yeah, he doesn't address it. It's a non-issue. Right. He should not address it. I, That's I, the entire point of what yeah. I'm saying. I'm never dis. I've never disagreed with that. I'm saying, but you have to understand where he's at mentally when that shit's being said because you've reacted I, to things. We, I think we do. Like, like, but how many I times think, have you reacted to things on social media? I know you're not on his level of, of criticism. Right. But, but that's actually, I'm glad you've you had that argument up. after argument on social media, and cussing people out and all this shit sure, too. You, it's you not do like, understand. We're you all do, human beings. You do bro. understand though that that isn't good on me to do that. Of course, right? Of course. So that what I'm so you're making it. You're making a point that actually no. helps the point I'm making. No, that he not. should it's, rise above it. No, because you fell victim to it, and I fell victim. And I was wrong for doing and that. And he's wrong as well. I'm not saying he's right. Right. I'm saying we have to understand the human nature here. We do. I, no, no, you no. Know, everyone just, wants him gone example. now. You, everyone wants him gone now. You just, do you, should you not do the, Trev, the, the you show You just use anymore? me as an example. Oh, my God, dude. You use me as an example. I do know. I do know. So you should not is. do the show anymore because everyone wants his no, job. I no. I don't think people want his job. What? I think Trevor. The question is whether what? he's going to be a long term answer or not. Because we're talking about giving this guy fifty to seventy million dollars for three to four more years. I don't, I don't think he should get that. But I'm saying everyone. Everyone wants him to be Ben. But why don't you think he should get that? What? When Why did I don't say you I did? think he should get that? When did I say he did? I you just said you that. literally just said that. What? That he you shouldn't get he that. He shouldn't get that money. Well, I'm confused on what you're saying. I said I said he should. I said he's. We're looking at fifty to seventy million dollars over the next three or four years. Yeah, yeah, he shouldn't get that. Yeah, yeah. I think he should be done, he should be done after this year. Okay, why? 
because of this. This is, this is just, just that's, a distraction. Okay. I never once disagreed with that. But you just made a case that people no. want him gone for this, and that's wrong. Because, no. <laughs> both, are, both can be true. He should lose his job because of his antics. But at the same time, we need to understand why his antics are what they are. Okay. You see we're, what I'm saying? Yeah, there's, we, two, yes. there's two truths here. We, but we're yeah. acting like one's not. The fan base are acting like they're not in the wrong at all either. That we, we people got to take responsibility. Granted, there's a bigger scale on where he's he's sitting on a bigger scale. But at the same time, he's he's obviously if we know he's affected by the things that are being said, mm. we should try to relax and not say. And, and obviously, this is a bigger issue than just Tyron, dude. Okay. We've seen so many things of all these players. We've seen death threats to players and all this shit. That's a problem too, yep, man. It is. It's I bigger agree. than just Tyron. All right, we're gonna move on because we could. I feel like we could keep going on this, but we're actually gonna move to the Eddie Hour because I know Eddie has probably a lot of questions outside of this very topic, um, even though it is the biggest story right now in Kansas City and, quite frankly, probably in American sports. So, Eddie, what do you have for us in the Eddie Hour? All right, man. Let's start off with the NBA, man. I gotta go to the NBA because obviously, season's uh, freshly started, so there's a lot of stories out there. I just wanna get your. Uh, I wanna get your uh, thoughts uh, after a full uh, after a full first week of. Uh, NBA. I want to get your uh, uh, thoughts on how the season is going for not every team, but like in, like to the top teams. How how do you see that? How do you see it uh, shaping up in the first week? I think the most notable thing because we could talk about the Lakers, but I think the most notable thing is how bad James Harden's been so far. Uh, this That's rule change, this rule change has really affected the way he plays basketball, and that was always something that drove me crazy about his game because he's he's obviously a Hall of Fame player, one of the best players in the NBA without question. But you're seeing just how much a little change in NBA rules can affect a guy that relied on something so heavily, and we saw it. I mean, you're talking about what was it last year? Thirty-seven percent of James Harden's points came from the free throw line. Well, this year he's averaging less. He hasn't scored more than nineteen points in a game this season. No, he he, he dropped. Uh, Almost a 30-point triple-double last night. But okay. Yeah, so, so I'm sorry. 29-99, I think, was his game last night. So he finally had yeah. himself a game that we recognize to be James Harden's style yeah. of play. And I think that it's going to be some adjustment. It's just notable because it also shows that without Kyrie Irving, this Nets team also struggles to have anybody manufacture points just from an individual standpoint outside of Kevin Durant, who is right now playing out of his freaking mind. Yeah. The Bucks have really struggled, which is something that I think is noteworthy as well. I think they're going to bounce back. They've been without Drew Holiday. They have, the and I think defender. that it's showing his value as well because he's by by far one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and a guy that can go get his own buckets on it each and every you know each and every night. Um, I think they're going to bounce back. And the Lakers, I, I actually wasn't – I was actually anticipating this type of struggle to start the season. This is why I didn't have them as the, first, the number one seed in the West because I think they're going to really use the regular season to figure out and experiment on some things, but they're so confident in what they have from a of just a veteran leadership standard alone. They're not worried if they're the three, four, or five seed in the West, which I think that is very realistic. In fact, I think it's more realistic that the, the Chiefs, the Lakers, get a two seed or down more than they are going to get the one seed because I think there's going to be teams like the Jazz and the Nuggets are going to really fight for that one spot because now home crowds are back and all that stuff. I think that you're going to start seeing teams like that really try to get that one seed, and the Lakers aren't really concerned about that because they have the most talent in the entire NBA. And once it starts clicking, which it will, I think the whole Russell Westbrook aspect of things is going to really dwindle, and they're going to get right back into where they belong. Uh, yeah, I, I have not been impressed with the Lakers so far this year. They have not looked good. They, they, there's going to be a lot of figuring out, I think, this year. Russ has been chaotic. Uh, granted, his whole career has kind of been that kind of player. Um but I think Russ just finding his role in this offense is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, him and LeBron, I don't think Russ should start. I think Russ should run the second crew, but I, don't, I think he's not going to do that. Uh, I just don't like him and LeBron on the floor together right now. I'd rather see Rondo on the floor with LeBron just because they, they mesh a little bit better because Rondo knows his role. Russ kind of doesn't know his role. Um, so I'm not very impressed with the Lakers right now. Uh, 
AD's been AD's been a bright point. AD's definitely been balling, been playing well. LeBron's banged up still right now. They 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 pulled out a win against the Cavs last night, and it wasn't pretty. It was they 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 needed 25 points from Carmelo to win that game, and I just I didn't. It's just you can't depend on that every single night. So the Lakers are definitely a watch and see kind of thing. I don't know how that's going to work out. I do expect them to still be when the playoff time comes around with that that veteran experience and the overall talent on that team. I think it will, and they do have some guys that are the role players that have been out so far this year. So. Once they get those guys in rotation, they're pretty short-staffed right now as far as the rotations go. So I'm not too worried. Um, but we've seen we've seen a lot of the the new rule change affect a lot of these players. The James Harden's, the 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 uh, um, Steph Curry. Not really Steph Curry. Steph Curry's just insanely great because he doesn't have to draw the fouls. He can just shoot from the logo every time. Um, but he's been playing great. But guys like you know Dame Lillard and and uh, uh, Trey Young and a lot of these guys that depend on that, a lot of those ticky tack uh, you know minute contact uh to get to the free throw line you know 15 times a game that's just that's gone away and it's definitely dropped a lot of their 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 um, nightly scoring output so i think it's good for the league i think it's good i think it, it it lets the players play a little bit more instead of depending on free throws uh i think it's only good for not only the pace of the game to play on instead of constantly stopping and shooting free throws i think it's better for the pace of the game uh and just an overall better product so I, i'm 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 fine with it and I, i've liked what i've seen so far from the nba with the rule changes mm-hmm. All right, next question. We're gonna go into that rule change because I want to. I want to get your thoughts and your whole point on that. We, mm-hmm. I want to. I want you guys to break that down a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, Trey Young has uh, said that he is frustrated with the lack of calls, mm-hmm. adding that Damian Lillard has an average 17 points per game since probably his rookie year. Also, uh, uh, Trey Young said that veering back and jumping into guys that's different. Uh, there are certain things that I agree with the rule changes, but then there's things that are still fouls, and guys are going to get hurt, especially a smaller guy like me who's going up against bigger and stronger defenders. They're using their body, and they're using their legs and their hands to stop me. I wanted to get your whole, your thoughts on that. On that this whole. is a very nuanced rule because it's something that the, I think the league is constantly fluctuating and adjusting with as, as time goes on. I mean, if you look 20, 30 years ago, how physical the game was, and if you look at today, even with this new rule change, it's night and day different. You saw the way the guys were able to just literally use their body and get physical with offensive players, and the league saw that that's not really how you're going to attract the fans. You're going to attract the fans by having high-scoring games and guys being able to score at will. That's what the NBA still believes. And I think that what they're doing right now is they're trying to tinker with it because they also know that the quality of game has it's it's flummoxed a little bit with the, with the way that they were calling some of these where these guys were jumping into defenders who were helpless in the air just trying to contest a shot. Not going to foul it's the guy in any way. Move. It's not a basketball move. And, and, and fans were really getting turned off by it because it, it isn't basketball. That's not a basketball move to draw a foul jumping three feet to your left while you're shooting straight this way. It, doesn't, it didn't make sense. So I think that the league is just trying to figure out how to best balance it all out because I do agree with what Trey Young is saying. There are I've seen it. Trevor, you watch just as much of not more basketball than I do. You see the way that, the, that these guys are getting bullied around at the perimeter, and you see the way that Dame Lillard and smaller, undersized guys like Trey Young are getting a little bit, you know, a, a little bit roughed up at the. By the end of the season, though, I think the NBA is going to figure it out. Because to be honest with you, of all the leagues, when it comes to their officials, I think the NBA has some of the best one, best of them all, and they they struggle at times. But you look at the NFL and how bad it still is, and it's bad. You look at MLB officials and how bad it is, and it's horrible. Yeah. You look, you, I gotta give the NBA some credit. Their officials are pretty damn good at their jobs, and I think they'll figure it out by season's end. Well, calls in baseball and calls in football are far more meaningful by play 
then because those are slower paced games. Those 100%. Are, in basketball, you can get a bad foul call and just keep it moving. You know, there's there's going to be eighty yeah. to hundred more plays. And an individual, it's an individual game more than it is a team yeah. game compared to those two. Right, right. They're yeah. not nearly as impactful, so it is easier to kind of skeet by. You know, when when you're when you're a, a, an NBA official. But granted, I think the game in the NBA is, and that's such a um, uh, progressive sport too, which I love. It's 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 ran well. Adam Silver's done a hell of a yes. job since he stepped in. He's made the proper changes. The pendulum swung way too far with all those foul calls the last few years, uh, and it's definitely boosted a lot of guys' um, points per game. Yeah. <laughs> James Harden is definitely, t- and I'm and all credit to James Harden. He took advantage of a loophole in the game. I'm not going to knock him for that. Great. Right. Is it pretty? No, it's not. It's not fun to watch. It's bad for the game. Yep. And I'm glad the NBA addressed that and made the proper changes to make the game better. And, I, and I've been watching Damian Lillard. I've watched three Portland games because they happened to play the Kings twice. Uh, and I've watched them against, I think, the, the Lakers as well. I think it was somebody else. I can't remember who they played. But I've watched Damian Lillard three games so far this season. And he's just, he hasn't looked good. It's, I don't think it's because I don't think his points per game is down because the, the that might be a small contribute contrib, uh, contribution to why he's down that that much. But he just he's been missing a lot of wide open shots. He hasn't been hitting those deep shots really as nearly as frequently. Uh, he's just kind of looked a little off. I just think it's probably just early season woes for him. I think he's he's a he's a high caliber player. He's going to figure it out. But a lot of these guys they're just going to have to adjust. Just like you know they adjusted and figured out the loophole that was before. Now the loophole's gone. These guys are just the Trey Youngs, the Damian Lillards, the James Harden. They're just far too talented players to to not adjust and, and become who we know they are. Are you guys in favor of the Absolutely. Role? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's better for the game. Like because, I said, it keeps the they, the pace going. You're not constantly stopping for free throws. It's yes. The pace of the game is much better. It's for a lot it. more exciting this way, and I think it honestly, like Trevor was alluding to just now, it shows more of an authentic uh, point of view of what these players really are, well, and, and, what was, and they're going to adjust to it. And who doesn't adjust to it? It shows what they really were made of. And what was the biggest knock on NBA players? You know, they're 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 soft. You know, this and that. Yeah. You know, they're they're getting these trash calls. You know, so well, taking that away definitely helps the image of these players as well, and the image of the game because it doesn't make the game look soft. And you saw the way the U.S. team and the Olympics had to play, and how mm-hmm. they had to just first couple games. Like, that was definitely, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then what they go and do? Oh, that's right, they won the fucking yeah, gold Dan, medal. Dan, so. I, but I like what Dan said <laughs> during that time. He was com- sort of backhanded. Com- uh, uh, complaining about it, but at the same time, he was like he respected it. Though that's why I love about Dame Loader. He he does respect that he needs to be better and and, and adjust. And I I do expect those guys to adjust. All right, let's go to the MLB. Uh, so obviously the World Series is underway. Uh, I believe it's tied one one with the Braves uh, Astros. But the story was the Dodgers who were eliminated by the Braves, and because they were the team to beat going into this season. Going into the playoffs, they were the they were the team everybody you know saw in the World Series, winning the World Series. What went wrong for the Dodgers? Well, first of all, it is two one Braves, oh, and before the season, I will say I did pick the Braves to win the World Series. I'm proud of that. I didn't think there was a chance with Ron Acuna being out with his torn ACL, but here we are looking at this team playing the way they're playing, and even they bench Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler has been like the name of the series so far, which is unreal. Oh, is, my God, it's incredible seeing him doing what he's doing, but. Uh, I think when it comes to the Dodgers and what happened, you know, it's one of those weird things where I don't really think anything did. And I know that sounds crazy, but baseball, we were just talking about it, how these are very different sports. Sometimes there are things that happen that you really just have to look at and say, yeah, that's that's just how baseball goes. Because it is. Look at... And I hate using this because I feel like it's so cliche, but look at that 2004 ALCS against Yankees Red Sox. The Yankees were the better team. They, they should have won that series. They were up 3-0. Bigger names. Historically, you're guaranteed to win a series if you're up 3-0 in any sport. And the Red Sox won four straight games. We can sit here and go, well, what did the Yankees really do wrong? Nothing. They, they, they put Mariano Rivera was on the mound. Dude just hit the ball. 
you know, Trot Nixon and Mark Bueller, like these guys, Mark Bellhorn, sorry, Mark Bellhorn, go up there and hit these clutches. Poppy, three straight walk-offs. Like, <laughs> you can't explain that. You can't sit here and go, well, you, you know, the pitch should have been a little bit more on the ends. No. It, sometimes the players just make plays. Momentum's a bitch, and, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened with the Dodgers against the Braves. You just... It happens. The, the Dodgers, the Braves just played better baseball. So I don't want to oversimplify it or try to like get a pass on this. But I watched the series, and that's what I saw. One team was just better than the other. Yeah, that, I have to kind of put my foot in the mouth, my mouth too because I picked the Dodgers because I just felt like they were overwhelmingly the more talented they were. team. Yeah. But I also have to say the take all the time that baseball is a different sport that it doesn't matter how talented your team is. One, if one team gains momentum and they all believe and they rally – no, no sport is is, uh, is our rallies more important than in baseball. If a team rallies and there's momentum and everyone believes, any team could beat any team in baseball in any series. We've seen that numerous times. We just saw it again. The Red Sox obviously is the the grand example, but this Dodgers team, I just thought they were just too good. I really did from top to bottom and bullpen and, and the hitting, the hitting, everything is just from top to bottom. And then they were, yeah. they just fell victim to a, baseball, a team that gained momentum. Baseball is the ultimate team sport. I know people say football is. Absolutely. I, I vehemently disagree. Absolutely. Reason why? Majority of the time, teams that win the world, the Super Bowl, have the best quarterback or great, you know, a great individual guy. Baseball. Best player in the world probably still is either Fernando Tatis or Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. What are those guys doing right now? Oh, that's right. They didn't make the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can have a star in baseball, but it is not a star-driven league by any means. Ken Griffey Jr. won zero World Series. You know what I mean? But then you have random guys like Aaron Boone who won a World Series. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a, a complete team effort. It's like when Bryce Harper teams get hot, like Trevor, yes. team immediately went to the World yes, Series. Yes, exactly. Like, how do you cut one of the best players in the world and then you immediately go like? Well, they trade him. Yeah, it's still yeah. Like the, the point. Oh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. trade him, but he went and signed with the Phillies for an substantial amount of money. Fact yeah, is, that's like just, Trevor, that's, that's a perfect example. Bryce Harper, one of the five to ten best position players in baseball, leaves. They win yeah. the World Series the next year. <laughs> Explain that. You can't. It's baseball. Yeah. All right. Let's go into the NFL. Uh, so, how much of a loss is J.J. Watt to the Cardinals? A humongous loss. Um, I don't think he had much to do at all with that loss to the Packers. But you got to look. I mean, he was third in the league, I think, in, in, in uh, uh, was a pressure rate. Third in the league at 31 years old, still doing it. And I think it obviously helps when you got Chandler Jones next to you. I think that's a, a big effort. But, I mean, there's no question about it. J.J. was the heart and soul of that defense. He is such an impactful player on and off the field. And you lose that guy for an entire season? I mean, again, I don't think that loss was because they didn't have J.J. Watt. I think that was all circumstantial. I think that A.J. Green had the biggest boneheaded play of his career. Was he an 11-year vet and played like a rookie on that final play? That had everything to do with that loss. That was, uh, that was a run play? Then like Nick it definitely Wright's, looked like he was trying to block. Well, like Nick Wright weird. said on first things first, he goes, if A.J. Green thought that was a run play out the shoot when they were you know huddled up making the play, why didn't he question and go, we're running the ball with 25 seconds left and zero timeouts. Why would we run the ball? That may make no sense. Yeah. So he should have fought that. And if that wasn't what he thought, and he he did know that was going to pass play, then he just had an absolute blunder. So not to take away from what J.J. Watt's absences was, but I don't think that he was the reason they lost the game at all. Well, he definitely could have been used in that game for sure. They could yeah. have made a big stop or another because they were getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was just – he was just – Destined to win that game. I mean, he played out of death his, by a thousand his, cuts. I mean, man. out of his mind. He, yeah. Down, down his two top receivers, and he loses third option. And, and Bakhtiari's out. Yeah, and you know, Tunyon goes down. It was just an incredible 
GOAT status performance from him against a team that was undefeated and might be the best team in football up to that point. The biggest primetime game ever, too, on Thursday Night Football because they've never had a, g a game with two teams with that great of a yeah. record. Only one loss this far into the season. That was like a true football, gritty football game against with two, two, two quarterbacks in two different times of their lives. Kyler's a baller, man, and the way he he threw that ball on a rope too in that last play, and he, he was banged up. He could barely put anything into it, and still put it on. That was an easy touchdown. But AJ Green just turns around, and the game's over. But yep. yeah, there there was a there was a uh, actually a report that came out today that they're not ruling JJ Watt out for the year. Oh, yeah, well, I don't news. I don't know. I know he has like four injuries, and he has to get the supposedly quote unquote season injuring surgery. Yeah. But if anybody can bounce back from and, and, and defeat the idea that it's season ending, it's J.J. Watt. I mean, the guy comes back from everything. So I would not be surprised if we see him ready for the playoffs or something. I was going to say, he did it, was it last? He immediately ago? did it. Two years oh, ago? yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Against the Chiefs? Mm -hmm. That was his, like, second game back in the playoffs? Yep. Yeah. After having that, I think it was a shoulder injury, right? Shoulder. I think he had a shoulder and knee yeah. injury. And he's had, he's had multiple broken noses. You can't even breathe But either properly. way, that, if he is done for the year, that is yeah. an absolutely huge loss. He was playing big minutes, big possessions. He was making big plays for that defense. Uh, so that, that And the defense is a big part of why they were undefeated up to that Packers game. So we've seen things like pile up on teams. One thing goes wrong, a lot of things start going wrong. I'm hoping that's not the case for the Cardinals because I do. They've been a fun team to watch, and they're, they were definitely a surprise for damn near everybody. And we do have legitimate concerns about Kyler Murray's health. Yeah, he looked deaf. He could barely walk. And this has always so. been my concern about him because I want to crown him so bad. I want to crown him he's as an so elite quarterback in this league, but my problem is, dude, he's already had several injuries already. In he's his already dealing with a shoulder heading into that Packers that game. Little, now it looks like a hip yeah. issue. Being maybe. that little, man, in this league... It, it's very unfounded that guys last very long, especially at a quarterback position where you're getting, you're taking the punishment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny I would say that little bit. He's like probably my height. He's mighty mouse right. out there, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. It's dude. crazy. Yeah. Right. But adding to the JJ Watt, I was reading a a lot of a lot of stuff uh, when when the whole season injury injury was announced. A lot of fans were questioning if he should return to football. Because of those, uh, he's he's averaged I, I believe like nine games in his previous like five six. Who are we season. talking about? JJ Watt. Okay. Just adding adding to that, and a lot of fans are questioning like, should JJ Watt really risk his health just for coming back, or should he just hang up the boots? I, first of all, I've never. Like we've always said I will never tell a grown man, especially a great athlete, that this being that teams are willing to fork out cash to to stop playing, as long as he feels that he can and that team feels that he can. You keep playing if you want to. Yeah. The only thing I would say is, is if he had like a series of like brain injuries, I was gonna say tons that. of concussions, like neck injuries where he broke his neck or had to have spinal fusion or something like that, then I'd be like, ah, it's probably spinal. best that he just hangs it up, you know, just just from a concerned fan aspect. But no, that's not what JJ deals with. JJ deals with extremity issues, pectoral issues, things like that. Things that Trevor you always talk about, soft tissue issues. Like you can bounce back from that shit. So no, I'm not gonna say that. As long as JJ Watt is effective, wants to play, and teams want to pay. Him, keep playing. Yeah, I'm not going to put my hand in any other man's pockets. I mean, if he wants to continue and to do what he loves and what his life has been based around since he was a child, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to tell JJ Watt what he should and shouldn't do. But I mean, if he wants to hang him up, I respect that as well. So either way, he's one of, he's one of the all time great football players we've ever seen. So either way, if he hangs him up, he hangs him up. And all due respect to his career, man. All right. I want to get your thoughts on uh, Jamar Chase and are the Bengals for real this season? I, I've been very hesitant to, to give. The Bengals that much credit, even though I really like them coming out of the season. I told you guys I think they're like a six-seven win team that's gonna be Man. fun. Kind of like how the, the they're like the 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 Panthers of the AFC, where you see like this promising young team coming up. 
Guys, I think the Bengals are for real. And the reason why is because their defense is consistent. They just blew out the Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. we can sit here and talk about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who, which, by the way, are fun as fuck. Maybe the best duel right now in football, honestly. Legitimately, Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in football right He's now. He's easily rookie Le- of the year. Legitimately. And Joe Burrow, already a top 10 quarterback in the league. Yeah. But that's not why they're. I'm thinking they're for real. Because we expected them to be good. Their offense is going to be good. It's their defense, one of the five best rushing defenses in the league, one of the five best scoring defenses in the league. You can't ignore that. You can't downplay it. If it's like the first three or four weeks, you can go, ah, they're on a nice little – like Trevor just said, they blew out the Ravens who have owned them for years. In Baltimore. In Baltimore. Exactly. That defense is for real. One of the toughest The Bengals to are for real. I'm giving them all the all the flowers, man, because they deserve the credit. They deserve it. I don't know if they're going to make a long run in the playoffs, but they are 100% going to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more surprised by their defense. The defense has been stepping it up. I mean, they were, they were giving Lamar fits. I mean, Lamar had obviously his, his two or three runs that were unreal. But, I mean, outside of that, they, they, their defense has been very, very steady for the most part this year. The I mean, I, I didn't this is this is the thing with chemistry too, man. They brought Jamar in for that reason. Instant chemistry. Instant wide receiver one with the with the quarterback chemistry. And I mean that's the best thing you could have done for the, the fact that, that worked out for them in that draft pick was just was incredible and it's obviously shown. So I mean that that offense is electric. They have options all over the place. And then, then uh Uzama, the tight end's been yeah. showing up too big and Key's had a couple two touchdown games. That seems fun to watch, man. That they're they are absolutely I mean, I can't sit here and try to make the argument that they're not for real. I mean, the, my eye test shows me that they're absolutely for real. All right. One one last question for you guys. Uh, will Deshaun Watson be traded this season, or do you think the NFL will step in and not allow the trade? The, the, NFL, the NFL has already come out and said they're not going to take any action against Deshaun Watson at this point, which is very shocking. Um, I do, because of that reason, I do believe traded? he's getting traded. <laughs> Excuse me. The trade deadline is in what three or four days? Tuesday. I think Tuesday. Yes. Tuesday. Yeah. The end okay. of the day. Four o'clock. I, think, I, I would put. I would put a better chance that he does end up getting traded because of that statement made by the NFL at this point. Why I'm so confused is the obvious. Twenty-two active sexual assault allegations against him right now, and and as everyone has said, even if one or two of them are true and the arrest are bullshit. He still needs to get absolutely hit with serious suspensions, fines, maybe even some time in jail. So that's that's where we're sitting at. But I think teams are willing to risk it, especially teams like the Dolphins, who have an 81-year-old owner who has seen zero success over the last forever mm-hmm. since Dan Marino. And even back then, they did really nothing in the playoffs. I'd be willing to bet that he's like, I will take the risk. If the, if the NFL and me can work on this and collaborate on not him getting on the – because I feel like, honestly, if he was going to be on the NFL or the commissioner's exempt list, he would have already done it. And according to what we've been hearing some new developments, the only reason he hasn't been on the NFL's exempt list to this point is because according to the law, you can only get on there if you've committed a felony or something to that level. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been indicted or charged with anything yet. So the NFL is legitimately waiting. I get why they're waiting. It's just shocking that it hasn't happened at this point or the NFL has taken any action to this point. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it's better for him that these that these cases are lingering on. Is that maybe they'll fall off. Maybe the, a lot of them are are not. I mean, if they if, if we knew he was immediately going to be charged for these things, that would make more sense. You think it would be acted upon earlier than this. The fact this is lingering on is just really strange to me. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. It, it definitely doesn't look good. And trading a lot of assets away, players and picks, you know, first round picks, it just it's, it's, that's a that's a high risk for, I mean, obviously a great reward. You're getting a top five quarterback talent. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> but there, there's been reports with the the Panthers even throwing in Ke- um, Chris McCaffrey in the mix now for a package, and then there's an uh, immediately there was another report what? that they're not interested. Like there's only a two, two yeah. teams. I mean, the, the the Panthers and the. Uh, if I'm the Eagles, I would still be thinking about it too because with the Carson Wentz trade, they yeah. got an additional first round pick. They have three first round yeah, picks to deal with. It. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the, I don't think he gets traded, man. I don't know if a team's going to take that plunge. That's it's, I mean, that's if you trade away numerous first round picks and maybe a player or two or something like that, you package a deal and then he can't play football for the next four yeah. years. You fucked yourself so bad. <laughs> like that's such a risk, man. So he could do time. You know, like, he can legitimately do time. Forget football stuff. This dude could be in prison. We don't know. Like, this is such a big, strange, unique situation right now. We've never seen an elite quarterback in a situation like this, where he's in the midst of maybe getting traded. The the bridges burn with the team he's currently on. He might go to prison. You know, there's just so much in the in, in the mix here that could happen. I know for me, if I'm running a team, he's not worth the risk for me. Yeah. He's just not. I, you can find competent quarterback play somewhere else. So, yeah, it's a strange situation. I don't think he gets traded, though. Mm. Yeah, that's it for me. Okay, uh, we are going to now talk about a game that the Chiefs have on the docket this this Monday, actually, uh, against the New York Football Giants. Chiefs are hosting them for Monday Night Football, and if anybody knows so far this season when the Chiefs are playing in primetime, it hasn't gone well, but there is a caveat to that. This is a primetime game against a team that is in the NFC East, and this is where the Chiefs have won the majority of their games. Three of their, or two of their three wins so far this season have come against NFC East teams, and this is the third game against that division this season for the Chiefs. The Chiefs have averaged around 36 points a game so far this season against NFC East opponents, and according to what our producer uh, Clay Wendler just uh texted me on i guess supposedly saquon barkley and kenny galladay are out for this game officially so i get that most of the time when you're looking at matchups and you hear that injuries are going to play a factor like a saquon barkley like a kenny galladay you think to yourself automatically well that's going to pay dividends for the chiefs but if we've seen anything from the chiefs so far this season when it comes to matchups and against teams that are dealing with injuries it usually hasn't made much of a difference at all. We saw the the Bills in that game against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football missing Matt Milano, missing offensive linemen, and it didn't make any difference whatsoever. The, the Bills still did whatever they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it. You've seen the Chiefs against the Ravens, an entirely decimated out roster. They missing half their offense, missing half their defense, and it did not matter. I understand that turnovers played a factor, but the fact is the Ravens still scored 36 damn points in that game. So the Chiefs, like I said, I'm not really excited, and I'm going to be real with you guys as much as I hate to say it for the first time in the Mahomes era. I'm not excited about this game. And that sucks to say because the first time in the Mahomes era, it kind of feels like the Chiefs are just kind of treading water. It doesn't really feel like they're playing for anything at this time. I know that there are plenty of people out there that are sitting there saying, oh, and even at the national level, you know, Jeff Schwartz, a lot of other guys, uh, Peter Schrager, a lot of these guys are still saying, oh, the Chiefs are going to come back with a vengeance and all this stuff. I'm with Patrick Mahomes and what he said about the Chargers in the the offseason. I'll see it when I believe it. Honestly, I'll see it when I believe it because 
I don't believe that this Chiefs team is really playing for much right now. And with all the toxicity that is going on outside of football right now on social media, with all the, and these are key veteran players we're talking about here that are having real struggles off, off the field right now of handling failure. I have a real problem believing that this team's going to go into this game and looking any better than we've seen to this part. And even the, the question I asked to Shane, uh, Shaggy Shane in his, in his segment was, even if the Chiefs are to go out here and blow this team out, which could very well happen because the Giants suck, does it really change anything as far as what this team is? Because we saw that second half against Washington. We saw this team click on all cylinders in that second half. But did we really feel any different? I mean, we were willing. I know we talked about it that next week about, okay, the Chiefs did it. Let's see if they can build upon it. And the very next week got their asses handed to them. Like it, like it never happened. Like that team never even emerged out of, the, out of their slumber. So I'm very concerned about this matchup, quite frankly, even with the injuries. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I'll just go out and say it. But I could very well see a first half where the Chiefs struggle out the gate like they have all season long offensively. I could very well see another mobile quarterback giving the Chiefs defense a ton of fits. I could very well see turnovers being a problem because Joe Judge, as much as I don't really believe him as a head coach to be a great head coach by any means or any stretch of the imagination, I do know one thing. He's not taking the Chiefs lightly. You saw it in his press conference about, oh, they don't have Tyreek Hill, Patrick Holmes, and Travis Kelsey anymore? Oh, then why wouldn't I take them seriously? I fully expect him to bring that Patriots-style defense into this game where he's going to say, we're taking Tyreek Hill from you guys tonight. We're taking Travis Kelsey from you guys tonight. Let's see what you can do offensively. I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if the Chiefs struggle again offensively in this game. I think they can squeak it out because I think they're the better team. I think they can finally rise up and do something in a game like this on primetime, which will be the first time all season long they've played well in a primetime game. But I just I have a hard time looking at this matchup, being excited about it, because I don't believe at this current time the Chiefs are playing for anything more than just pride. And it I don't really know how much pride this team really has right now. That's where I'm at right now. It's really about finding a rhythm. I mean, we've got to we've got to find a rhythm. We've been out of sorts offensively for. I mean, fuck the defense. We know the defense has been what it is since the season started for the most part. But offensively, this is where we're supposed to be. Our this is our strong suit. So we got it. It's really just about Pat. Get out there, play loose. Don't be tight. Don't press. Don't feel like you've got to force throws. Throw a throw away. Check it down if you have to. Let's just go play some sound, smooth football. This is not a this is not a defense that's gonna go out there and just like, you know, just bring the heat. This is a defense that's kind of backpedaling a little right now. They've been a solid defense for the most part. They have good players. This is a team that we should go out there and just pass should just go out there and just have a good day. Just play some good football, throw two, three touchdowns, get out of there. Unfortunately, that's not my expectation, man. Uh, I, I hate that I'm worried about an injured uh, Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard and a Devontae Booker filling in, you know, at running back. I, and Dan, Daniel Jones striking some semblance of fear in me right now. It's It sucks that I even feel that way. It sucks that I'm worried about those players that I just named heading into this game. This should be a team that we go in and just almost overlook as far as like an- analyzing them and, and what should we expect to ha- what kind of challenge they're going to bring our way this is a team that we should just go out there and just just completely dismantle and deep pants but that's not the case man we continue to play down to our our, our competition's level and that's uh, as right now that's what i'm expecting us to do i'm expecting us to play down to their level i'm not expecting us to go out there and just be a juggernaut and show who we are and find our identity this week i'm not expecting it. i have to that's been my motto almost all year i have to see it man I have to see what we know this team is. We've lost our identity, and then it's it sucks. But um, I do expect the Chiefs to win. Um, it could be an ugly win, you know. I'm I, I, my main thing is keep Pat clean, no turnovers. 
I don't care if this defense allows 30 points. I just want Pat to have a clean jersey at the, at the end of this game. And I want I want there to be zero turnovers. Because if we do that on a, on a week-to-week basis, we're winning. Nine times out of ten. Nine and a half times out of ten. If Pat's clean, he's able to make the throws he wants, and there's no turnovers, no one's beating us. Period. That's all I want to see. I don't, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't care if we go out there and win by 25, 30 points. I just want us to go out there, do what we do, have Pat play a comfortable game, not have to be running for his life and running into pressure and throwing errant throws that are just turnover-prone plays. I just don't want to see that anymore. we got to clean it up. This is the game to do it, man. This is the game to gain some kind of momentum and rhythm, and this that's thats all I'm really hoping for, honestly. And then a W, obviously, at the end of the day. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for a W, but me and Lance had a, a, a discussion earlier this week where I asked Lance, like, why doesn't Andy Reid uh, bring out that Alex Smith playbook? It, it's and, not even, yeah, yeah. Because whatever they're doing right now, it's not working. What, whatever they're doing right now is definitely not working. We, we've, we've gone through seven weeks of football. Like Shaggy, Shaggy said, we could have been one and six, or we could have been five and two, easily. I, I think if you bring those, uh, those Alex Smith play, uh, plays, I'm not saying all of it. I'm saying bring, bring some plays in because this offense needs them. Because at this moment in time, they're not taking advantage of what, the, what that defense is giving them. We know that the defense is going to play in cover two, and the Chiefs are fucked. They have no answer to that. They have absolutely zero answers to that. We've seen that Patrick Mahomes gets a cover two almost, almost was it, like 70? Uh, He's the least blitz quarterback in the league. Yeah. yeah. Like, less than 11% of the time. It's like 10.7% of the snaps yeah. he's played. That, which is insane. Yep. That, that's just, that's the kryptonite to the Chiefs, the cover two. So, at the, if I'm Andy Reid... And I see this week in, week out, that the cover two is where we're having issues with. We can't advance the football when there's a cover two. We need to adjust. We need to bring that those those dick and dunks that Alex Smith was throwing. Yeah. And like uh, Lance, Lance said earlier that if we were to do that, it would allow Pat to, to make that one play that Alex Smith used to make because you will make that defense respect that even more. So they will bring the players in mm-hmm. and they will allow for those big plays. Because Alex Smith was having those big plays after he did dink, dink, uh, dink and dunks for for quite a bit. They allowed that that gap because they were respecting that. Mm-hmm. So they allowed for that play to happen. And Pat's going to get his yards. We've seen his players get the ball with uh, after a five-yard pass. And we've seen Travis Kelsey. We've seen Tyreek Hill. We've seen Mikko break out and gain 15, 20 yards on top of that. Well, and these well, defenses these defenses aren't even pressing us at the, at the line. So they're playing a soft zone. Exactly. Do a quick out to Tyreek yes. or McColl and let them and then block up field. Yes. Like it's simple they're, things like that. Just get the ball out quick. They're gonna get you yards. Yeah. Don't play for those home run plays every single drive. I, I think against the Giants, I I really want to see Andy Reid adjust and have those dink and dunks. Respect what the defense is giving you. Don't always go for that home run ball. We uh, there was a couple pictures on Twitter uh, after that game where our videos clips of plays. That after Patrick Mahomes snapped the ball, the players just ran straight, straight up. They didn't turn. They didn't. They didn't make the the cut or anything. They just kept on going. Yeah. Like, how do you expect to get open when all the defense is is literally going with you except for the four that are are putting that pressure on Patrick Mahomes? Mm-hmm. 
Like it's like a, it's like a writer's block or something. Andy yeah. Reid is having with drawing up plays. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think I think I think Andy Reid should go into his Alex book playbook, Alex Smith playbook, get a couple plays out of there, a couple of dink and dunks, kind of bring that game into Patrick Mahomes. We don't want to see it. I know we don't want to see. It. We hated uh, uh, the way Alex Smith played. But finding that balance, but fun, finding that running in the between. ball against uh, you know you're only, they're only most teams are only bringing four against us. We're well, on the ball. You know, yeah. here's, here's another stat real quick. I said that since 2019, the Chiefs are 20-3 and three in games that they've ran the ball at least 21 times. There's also another stat that I posted as well, uh, that in games that the Chiefs run the ball at least 12 times in the first half, they're 17-4. and four. So what I'm, what I'm saying is, look, guys, we know that the, the – And game, not all those games we have a lead. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's we the point I'm trying to make to people. Like, yeah. As long as Patrick Mahomes is the Chiefs quarterback, they're going to throw the ball first. It's always going to be a throw first offense, especially under Andy Reid. Of course. But you have to give Patrick some balance here. We can man. also run through the yeah. air too yeah. on, this, on quick yeah. throws. I'm not expecting too much of this game. I, I, I think I'm with Trevor now, where I'm not expecting anything. I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be a close game. It might be a close game. So that that leads me to my final question when it comes to this segment: the key players in this matchup. Because I'll give you my two. I always give an offense and a defense as much as I possibly can. I think on the offensive side, this might this one actually shock you, but I think it's it, it's it's very valid, especially as much as he struggled last week. It's got to be Orlando Brown Jr. I think he'll be the key player in this one because I think that the Giants will not be sending people home. But as we saw last week against the Titans, an even worse defense, a far worse defense than the Giants, you saw how they were able to beat up Orlando Brown, which was by far his worst game of the season. Bud Dupree was murdering him at will. I will say, though, there was a little emphasis on Orlando Brown that may not have been fair because as Mitchell Schwartz broke down, which I love his Daily Dose mm-hmm. tweets, he broke down how Orlando Brown had Bud Dupree 11 yards in the backfield which is what you want as a tackle because you're basically giving your quarterback an, op- an opportunity to climb the pocket and Pat didn't do that yeah, on a couple yeah, plays. Yeah. He doesn't so, utilize his pocket good enough. He, yes. That's what I'm saying. That's one, that's one of my, my key thing was Pat having a clean yeah. jersey at the end of the day. And you saw, Not self-inflicted either. You saw how comfortable Patrick Mahomes was with Eric Fischel and Mitchell Schwartz because yeah. he kind of grew up with those yes. guys there. There's going to have to be that comfortability with Orlando Brown because I do believe he's going to be a long-term tackle here in Kansas City. And whoever ends up being the Maybe. tackle, I do still believe in Yang. I think he's going to be the guy. There has to be that certain level of comfortability between them, and I think that that's still lacking. But I think Orlando Brown will have a big game in this one. I think he'll play very well, silence a lot of the critics. As long as we ain't hearing his name, that means he had a great game. That's literally about offensive lineman work. Creed Humphrey has been unbelievable. I don't have any worries about him or Trey Smith or Joe Tooney, who's been unbelievable as well this season. My defensive player, I, I, I think because of the fact that, once again, the Chiefs are facing a very mobile quarterback, a guy that can kill you in the ground game on his own, especially now without Saquon Barkley, and the fact that Daniel Jones is actually an ass on the field without Saquon Barkley. He has 13 touchdowns to 19 interceptions as opposed to it was like 25 touchdowns and like 10 interceptions without yeah. uh, with, with Saquon Barkley. Um, that's a I think that the guy that's going to have to have a big game in this one is Willie Gay. And the reason why is because he's our most athletic well, linebacker by far. He's our fastest defender by far. I think he's going to be the guy that has to play spy on Daniel Jones. And if Steve Spagnuolo is half – the, the defensive coordinator we believe him to be, he's got to know that as well, that we got to have eyes on Daniel Jones the entire game because if you keep Daniel Jones from running out of the backfield, this Giants offense is not going to move this ball at all in this game. If Daniel Jones gets less than 10 to 30 yards in rushing in this game, the Giants won't score 15 points in this game because they have they, Galladay will be out, Saquon Barkley will be out. Their playmakers are pretty much non-existent if they don't have Daniel Jones, you know, extending drives with his feet. So if they get Willie Gay on that, I think this would be a long game for the Giants and the Chiefs can capitalize on this game. Yeah, um, offensively, this just screams a Travis Kelsey game to me. I know we were expecting that last week 
Uh, we were expecting a blow-up game all in general last week. We just didn't get that. And I just I think Travis Kelsey is chomping at the bit. He's had a couple quiet weeks in a row now. I just think this is one of those games where those safeties just don't have a chance. I don't think – I mean, week in, week out, no, neither, no safety or linebacker in coverage for Travis Kelsey really has a chance, especially one-on-one. They're going to have to bracket him, but I don't think – I think the Giants are really going to try to focus on taking Tyreek away. I think they're really going to – we're going to see a lot of double teams on Tyreek. Um and taking the deep ball away, so I think that's going to leave the middle of the field, the flat, the underneath, the little, you know, the 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 short slants and stuff for 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 Travis Kelsey. Maybe some up the seam, nice big chunk plays for Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to eat. I think he might get a couple touchdowns. Um, I'm expecting that just because I think he is talk about leadership for this team. That's the that's the guy that's been the consistent uh, voice and on the field, on and off the field for this team. And I think he's primed for a big game this week um, against a, a rough secondary that has not been that great. Uh, against tight ends this year and then uh defensively i'm going right back to the well man i think nick bolton showed who he is last week um and why he was drafted to this defense i couldn't have been more proud than to nail that pick and as uh, granted i would rather sacrifice that and, and t- to get a w and to be wrong about nick bolton maybe he had a terrible game and we still ended up with a win but no we ended up losing obviously but the bright the bright point of that game was definitely nick bolton he had Derrick Henry shook in that game, and Derrick Henry was pissed off he couldn't get his 100 yards because Nick Bolton said no. Uh, and I loved what I saw out of him. That's yeah. a rookie out there facing one of the greatest running backs, one of the Stop four, greatest Henry forces we've ever seen Multiple times. in the backfield. Yeah. Yeah. Leads yeah. the league in tackles for loss. Yes. He had four and in that game alone. He's third in the league in tackles and number one in tackles for that's loss. A, that's been an unbelievable draft pick. Yes. So, I mean, <laughs> I think he's starting the rest of the year. He started every game so far this year. Hitchens might have lost his job if we're being honest. He's he's too expensive though. They're yeah. going to play him. Yeah, I just, know. You're right. I know. You're right. He's not as good in coverage as Hitchens yeah. is at this point. But there is definitely room to grow for coverage. But he's a Mike. Yeah. He's not. He's not he doesn't uh, need to be great in coverage. Yeah. He's, he's a, a throwback. He's yeah. a guy. That's what he's I a wanted. Retro. That's he's what a retro. I wanted. And talk about you know Shaggy was talking about drafting guys. And we've drafted Nick Bolton, Sneed, uh, uh, Willie Gay, Creed Humphrey. Well, a lot a lot of these guys we've drafted. And I think I think we, I think we're doing a good job building guys through drafts. He's gotten better over the last year. We've, we've overpaid yeah, some guys true. in free agency, yeah. but Chris Jones is an in-house guy as well. We overpaid, but we overpaid for Frank Clark. That's the glaring one. But overall, Sammy I mean, Watkins. Well, yes, of yeah. course. But I mean, most of our guys that have been showing out and been playing fairly well this year have been guys we drafted. Willie Gates has got to get on the field. He had a great pick last week as well. It's an insanely great pick. They donated nine million to Jaron Reed for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, they're 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 those. <laughs> but I mean, overall. But, yes, I'm going right back to the well for Nick, Nick Bolton. I think Nick Bolton is going to blast up that middle a couple times and force uh, Daniel Jones out of the pocket. And in, 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 in lieu of that, I think that's going to give Willie Gay another great game, too, because I think Willie Gay is going to catch him in a couple. He's going to try to escape after Nick Bolton blasts up that middle, and that's just going to let you know the, the edge players and uh, Willie Gay feast. So Travis and Kelsey some... and Nick Bolton for yes. you? Okay, Eddie, who is for you? You might you might say it's the obvious, but I'm gonna go Patrick Mahomes for the offense. Okay, I, I think yeah he needs to get right. I, I think he needs this game. I th- I think he needs this game without an interception. I, I we need yeah. to see yeah. that from Patrick Mahomes. That'd be nice. I, and I think Mahomes really wants that, and I think that would definitely help Mahomes throughout the season. I think him not being able to turn the not turning the ball over this game, it's gonna be a huge momentum boost for him. Like. Confidence, man. confidence, yeah. yeah, which is what we need out of Patrick Mahomes, and I this think, whole team and I think that. what this, yeah, exactly, this whole team needs out of Patrick Mahomes. So I think Mahomes is going to go out there, do his thing, do do what we know he can do, and and, and I don't, I don't want to see him turning in the ball over. I think this is that confidence boost that Mahomes was looking for, and I think this is the game where he's going to get right, and, and that us as Chiefs fans, and and obviously the team, we all want this to happen. So I, I that's my offensive. Key player, I think Mahomes gonna have 
a, a great game. All right, that is our predictions for this game, well, the Giants-Chiefs game on Monday Night Football. We'll give you our full slate picks as we do each and every Sunday before tomorrow's games kick off on the beautiful day of Halloween that we love here very much. Very excited about that one. But we, uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to give you guys all of our predictions, but that's where we stand currently on this Chiefs-Giants game. I, I, I'm afraid to even think what it'll be like doing this show next week if the Chiefs somehow drop this game against the Giants. All I will tell you guys is that I will be very much more on the side of the yard sale than retaining some of these dudes. So that, yeah. let's just let's just hope that isn't the case uh, because there will be some definite L's handed out on that one. But speaking of that, we have one more order of business to attend to. Guys, what's it called? Hold this L. Each and every week we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not friendly. We promise you who was ever holding those L's in the world of sports, those motherfuckers deserve it. Trevor Twidwell, I'm starting with you this week. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm sure, like, this is like cover two. I got the cover two right here. I'm mixing it up. Balance. You know what I mean? Balance. RPO. You know? I'm going to go with Trevor Twidwell because I figure we get the depressing shit out of the way first. You know, we got Tim Burton in the house. You're fucking toxic. I can't take this. I'm going to pull an AJ Green because I wasn't ready for that. Let's get the toxicity out of the way. Trevor, who's holding the old for you this week, man? Um. No, my L is going to go to Damian Lillard for this reason. Um, Damian Lillard was on a uh, – he was spitting some bars on – we all know he's, he's a very talented hip-hop artist. Yep. He's, his, his music is actually legit. Um, and he's a very good freestyle artist as well. But he was, he was dropping a fr- freestyle on a, a big, I-195 show, one of the radio shows locally out there. Um, and one of the lines in one of his bars, it goes like this. He says, me and I wanted to join a super team might end up being my Achilles heel. Listen, man. That for one, it's ignorant because every single team, every single team that has won an NBA championship has been loaded. There's not a single team that has won a championship that didn't have multiple stars, defensive players of the year, MVPs, scoring title winners, assist winners, numerous. I mean, every single team. Go look at every single roster that's ever won a ring or even won multiple rings back to back or whatever you want to call it. They're all super teams. Yeah, guys. That just shows his lack of, and this is this is LeBron obviously has been the poster boy for this because he's just he's he's such a big name to form something and puts them together himself instead of uh, maybe an organization or, or GM bringing players together. It just happens to be a player making the choice for himself. Let's shit on him for that. But that's just that's that's been the trend because LeBron has just been the poster boy for that, and it's became a negative thing when that's literally since the beginning of time always been how the NBA is. Yeah, people just don't want to people just want to shit on LeBron for whatever reason it is. That that that's that's point one. That's just pure ignorance on his end to, to to say that. And point two, as great as Damian Lillard is as a player, and he's fun to watch. He's he's very fun to watch. He's very good. He's one of the most talented, uh, and especially a story from where he came from. The, the, there was not many expectations. His deficit, he superseded the expectations that he had coming into this league, not being a high uh, draft pick, coming out of a smaller school. Um, but at the same time. If we're just being real, us as NBA fans and, and how the NBA ages, players like Damian Lillard are going to be more forgettable than, than than other players because he's not going to have that 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 resume with that ring, no scoring titles, no assist leader, never been a really good defensive player. He's not his resume is outside of being a good scorer and a consistent player who gets you know first round exits consistently in the NBA. He's going to be forgettable as great as he is. He's going to be forgettable because he chose to stay. Where it, losing happens, yeah. it, so I, I just feel like him, like him, like maybe like 
it's like it feels like he's reassuring himself that he's making the right decision and getting like backhanded complimenting all the teams that have won in the league like trying to make his case like well i'm loyal cool man like that's cool like you're gonna be forgotten more than the other players that have won because yep. of that because you chose it and granted the, the the fans in portland probably love him for it because they feel he obviously gives them the best chance to have some idea maybe Relevance. winning a playoff series yeah. I think he's been to the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Final once in his One career, time. and they got destroyed. Right, so I just I'm. This is just it. Just uh, that's just such a lame way to 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 brag about yourself. You're bragging about yourself because you you haven't won. Yeah, like that. That's what that is. Like you're bragging. You're 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 taking loyalty over winning. Cool man. But that no one's going to care about that. In the, the moment end. when your no story's longer, over, yeah. The mo- when the your story, Damian Lillard's out of his prime. The you NBA don't is bringing in. The on? NBA is bringing in talent. If Lamelo Ball comes yeah. in and becomes a bigger player than he ever was and gets a ring, he just won. He's going to be remembered more than Damian Lillard ever was. That's how the NBA works, right? So for that, for him trying to like single-handedly backhand compliment other teams that have quote-unquote formed super teams, that's every that's every single team that's won a ring are super teams, regardless of what you think. That's just the facts. There's numerous stars on every single one of those teams. So that's just ignorance. So the fact that he's trying to backhand compliment anybody who's won a ring and then trying to simultaneously boost himself up for his loyalty over winning, it's just a bad look to me, and it just looks silly. So for that, Damian Lillard, do me a big favor, man. Hold this L. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who's holding L for you this week, my man? Is it F1? No. Okay. Um, man, I, I should uh, – <laughs> I jinxed a team last week. Uh, so you uh-huh. know how I said Bayern Munich uh, mm. was beating that ass and – all that well was it I believe it was Wednesday Wednesday afternoon uh, they lost 5-0 so <laughs> that was a nice little jinx after winning all these games by a lot they got their asses beat so there's that but I want to give my L to uh, FC Barcelona it seems like every week we're reminded that uh, what Messi did what, uh, there was extra- extraordinary uh, goat status they're currently sitting in tenth place, and just this uh, uh, was it Wednesday or Thursday? I can't remember. Wednesday, mm. they got eliminated from their local cup, which obviously they've won numerous and countless of times. They have the talent to make it to the final every year, just like Real Madrid. But this year they fell short. They they lost to a team they had no business losing to. And on top of that, their their manager was fired because of the result. And still, the comment that everybody makes, the reporters, what reporters, the media still makes and uh, reports, it still has to do with Messi. Messi left in August, and your struggles are in October, November. Just think how much Messi meant to this team. And they did, they just let them, you know, kind of walk. They did the opposite instead of instead of keeping them. They did the opposite, just pushed them away because of their financial mistakes and all and all that stuff. Now they're paying the price for it. And every single week after a loss, players react to that as like, well, we know what's missing. Well, we know what's missing. We know what happened. We know what's missing from this team. Man, if you rely so much on a player. That's your first mistake. You can't just rely on so much on one player. You, you as a, you, you're a collective group. You're a whole team. And your struggles are not because of that one player. It's because of you and the way you've, 
managed this this team in the previous years. And it's only going to get worse. So for that reason, FC Barcelona, you have to, you're going to have to do me a favor. And Hold this L. Well, I'm going to have to give myself maybe an L at this point because our guy Stan Simmons had a, a line for us, guys, and we didn't talk about it in the mailbag. We kind of overlooked it because the mailbag was rather light this week. So I'm going to go ahead and let Stan Simmons have his say real quick as we do each and every week at this point, guys, and then we'll react to it real quickly, and I'll give you guys my other L. Hey, guys, I don't have anything scripted right now, so uh, my voice won't sound like a makeover. <laughs> anyway, I just got through watching the Titans. Chiefs disaster. Um, I don't know if you saw the end of the game, but once again, McCole Hartman did fumble. Anyway, what I want to say is, uh, was I, I've been listening to podcasts, people on, online and all this. I think that the Chiefs need to shake something up. Um I'm not saying fire Andy Reid. Shaggy was saying fire Andy Reid. That's not what I'm saying. I hope they don't fire Andy Reid. But a shakeup needs to be had. Uh, either gets either fire Spags. Not saying too fire the man because I like Spags. But someone on either Spags or someone on his staff has got to go. Also, a major change um, in personnel. Hardman is fumbling the ball. It's just something needs to be changed. What do you think? As always, thank you, Stan, for the question. We do appreciate that. That has been a little bit of the topic of discussion today, but I will give you my quick thoughts, and then we'll move along. Um, I'm with you. <clears throat> I don't believe that Andy Reid should be fired or resigned or retired at this point. I still am very much confident Andy Reid is the right coach for the Chiefs, although I do believe he has failed to this point of the season. And where he has failed is the fact that I think he's a little too lax when it comes to players. I think that they've kind of rested on their laurels a little bit. They've gotten a little lazy in their approach. I think they expect us to go out there and be the Chiefs, and no one can stop that. Well, teams are stopping it now on both sides of the ball. I do agree that I think that the shakeup should be in the coaching staff. I think that this will more than likely be Eric Bieniemy's last season with the Chiefs. I think he'll probably take a, a head coaching job at the college level because for some damn reason he can't get one at the NFL level, and I think this will more than likely be his last season. If the defense continues to play at an historically bad level, there is no reason in the world that Spack should retain his job. If they get better and you see them end up at the 22nd or 21st defense, I'm willing to give Spags another opportunity. I don't expect that, though, so honestly, I'm more leaning on the side that Spags should probably go ahead and retire or step down or the Chiefs let him go and they go with fresh blood at the defensive coordinator position because there's always good defensive coordinators out there. And on the offensive side, we all know that at the end of the day, it's Andy Reid's offense, not Eric Bieniemy's. No disrespect to Eric Bieniemy, but it is not. Not his offense. It's Andy Reid. So that's where I think it needs to happen. And also, we we knew that the Chiefs wanted to make moves on the offensive side. They were after Juju Smith-Schuster. Their problem was, is outside of Juju Smith-Schuster, we didn't see the Chiefs' names really attached to any other skill position players that they were serious about bringing in. That was a real problem. I felt like they gave up way too quickly, and they rested on the fact they already have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think they needed to be a little bit more aggressive, and now you're seeing why. They're so desperate to get creative players out there. They've got Josh Gordon, who's done nothing. And so it's just a lot of confusion. Um, there is a cultural imbalance. There is a, a, a systematic imbalance that is in place that we have not seen under Andy Reid yet. And it is happening. It is real. It isn't something we can overlook or just try to push to the side. It's a real problem they have to address directly. We have already pointed it out. And if we can point it out as just being these average Joes, I don't know how they can either. I really hope that this is the, one of those times where Andy Reid, for the first time, is proactive, not reactive. He goes and figures out the problem instead of letting the problem continue to fester. And then they got an even bigger problem on their hands. You can't waste the, the the prime years of Patrick Mahomes. His contract is really starting to kick in after this next season, guys. 
which means that you're going to have to be creative in how you build your team. How you do that? You get younger with cheaper players. Get younger and cheaper. Go in the draft. Go and get guys on their rookie deals. Maximize their potential. That's how this team's going to have to build from here on out, at least for the foreseeable future. Thank you so much, Stan, for that question. We really, really do appreciate it. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give you guys my own L. I was really thinking after last night that I was going to give it to Siren Matthew and Anthony Hitchens. I kind of felt like that was lazy seeing we talked about it it's all low game. Fruit, right? All day, yeah. It's low-hanging fruit. But you want to talk about other things that get, get planted because, you know, you can you can plant fruits. Um, is You plant flowers. You know, people do that. And there are a lot of people that I would consider to be tryhards that try to use, like, analogies and stuff to motivate players and things of that nature. Trevor, Eddie, and I, we've all played, you know, high school sports. We know that coaches use cheesy lines and cheesy uh, attempts to get your team motivated or to get the media off, media off your back when you're not when things aren't working well. Well, Andy Reid doesn't do that because he knows that's bullshit. So do all the other great coaches. You never hear Bill Belichick breaking down things in an in analogical form to you know detour or defer from the responsibility of what they're not doing as head coaches. Well, that didn't stop Nick Sirianni from doing that this week uh, when he decided to uh, use a flower analogy as to what their team's doing. I'll go ahead and let you guys give this one a listen because it's a, it's a real treat. Results aren't there right now, but what's going on here is is that there's growth under the soil. I, I, I put a picture of a, a flower up, right, and that it's it's coming through the ground, and the roots are growing out, and the roots and the roots are continuing to grow, out. and everybody wants to see results. Shoot, we nobody wants to see results more than us, right? We want to see results too, but it's really important that that the the foundation is being built and that the the roots are growing out, and the only way the roots grow out every single day. And they grow stronger, and they grow, and they grow better. As if that we all put our, we all water, we all fertilize, we all do our part. Each each individual, each individual coach, each individual player, each everybody in in the building that we do our part to water to make sure that when it does pop out, it, it, it really it really pops out uh, pops out and it grows. And so that was my message today. And so there's all I'm always like I said to you guys before I'm always thinking of different messages to give to the team. Um, that either messages that I think that really fit to the situation that I've gotten before in a situation um, from another head coach or that I that from my dad or whatever. And so that was my message today because uh, we are going through tough times and everybody wants to see results. And, and, and But just keep doing what we're doing. Keep watering. Keep And, and look at yourself first and, and know if are you, are you watering and are you fertilizing every day. So when it's time to pop, it'll pop. Hey, let it pop, do, man. Do, do you guys now understand why I don't want to fire Andy Reid? Because just, just for irony purposes, you know who are Nick Sirianni coaches? Philly. Where Andy Reid got fired. Yeah. That's what they're dealing with when they fired Andy Reid. They've had a series of failed head coaches in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that in Kansas City. Imagine imagine Patrick Mahomes having to follow that press conference up. As, as that being oh, I remember some coach. Todd Haley pressers yeah. that are not very fun to listen to. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because the Farmer's Almanac does say that you should use cow manure to fertilize flowers. That was bullshit, wasn't it? What, what we just heard. That sounded like youth group. Yeah. That, that was really bad. That was really, really bad. It's and I, I really, I wouldn't have, I, I probably would have applauded the Eagles is right after uh, Nick Sirianni walked Oof. off that 
press conference that uh, Jeffrey Lori, their owner, walked up there and said, we have officially fired Nick Sirianni and relieved him of all duties as <laughs> head coach. Because that would have made more sense than whatever the fuck Nick Sirianni was just saying on that press conference. I, I was I was embarrassed. I, I really, That was so cringy, and I'm not an Eagles fan. I don't work for the Eagles. I don't affiliate myself in any way with Philadelphia, and I thought that was just... That was sad. That was really, really sad. But we're, we're we still think it's funny around here. So for that purpose, my guy Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, do me a solid and hold this L. Well, things like I said, guys, from the get the get go have not been a lot of fun in Kansas City. But we try to have fun here. Uh, we've had some great he- heated discussions and debates here at, at, at the Spoken Podcast. But we, that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to bring you as authentic, true, and genuine, consistent content. I hope you guys enjoy it each and every week. Um, well, because there's not a whole lot else to really enjoy here in Kansas City right now, other than the the great barbecue and this great podcast. Damn it! Yeah. We want to thank our guy Shaggy Shane for being a part of the show today. We want to thank our guy Stan Simmons out in Fresno, Cali, for joining in the discussion as well and giving us a great question, as he always does. Jeremy, have some I do want to say one thing, just from what my take was. I'm not trying to start another conversation here, but I just want to say to Chiefs fans, anybody who's listening and heard my words and maybe didn't take it the right way, listen, I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. I'm as about as diehard as you get. I'm, I'm not against you. I am you, right? So we just got to – the Tyrone shit is, un, is inexcusable. Should not have been said. The Chiefs are a losing team right now, Right? Everything's down. We're down. Chiefs fans are kicking each other when we're down. We're kicking the players when they're down. The, the players are kicking the fans when we're down. Everything's bad right now. What we can't do is burn all the bridges. You know, we can't just go on to shit island and burn the boats and just try to figure out how we're going to get off this island. Like, we can't do that. That's just, We're killing our own right now. Granted, Tyron's probably going to be gone because of this shit. He's probably not going to get that contract extension, but we have a season to finish here. That's my main objective. That's my main goal. And hopefully that's the player's goal. I don't know. If these certain players need to be sat down, so be it. They have to figure that out on their own. Us as fans, we're fans, right? We, 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 we get upset when we get upset. We get upset when things are bad. Things are really bad right now. We're happy when things are good. And everything. those specific players that we are mad about right now are doing good, we're happy. And we're saying good things to them. we got to find some kind of middle ground here where we can collect our thoughts and our, our words and choose what we say wisely. Players as well. We just got to we got to dig our way out of this as fans, obviously, and as a team. So my my overall outlook was supposed to be positive. It may not have come off that way. <laughs> I was trying to play both sides. I think both situations are wrong right now. But I just I just want to reiterate, me as a Chiefs fan, I am with you guys. We obviously know things are bad right now. We know, we all want things to be good, and we just just moving forward, we got to try to just support this team the best we can because we have a season to finish here, man. Yep. Everybody can do better. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well said. Starts by the on the field, man. Well said, by the way. Um, and yeah, don't burn all the bridges, especially Jeff Bridges. I really like him. He's, <laughs> he's a, a really great actor. actor. Great actor. Yeah, he's on his way uh, out, though. Yeah. <laughs> great actor. <laughs> um, so for that, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, for Clay Wendler, for Shaggy Shane, for Stan Simmons, for everybody that contributes to, this, contributes to this bad boy here at the Spoken Podcast, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 140 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished. It's finito. And until next week of episode 141, when we talk about potentially a Chiefs team being 4-4 and potentially building upon a win against an NFC East team again, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See y'all. You are tuned into the Spoken 
I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.